Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. I want to give a big shout out because it'll be a busy morning this morning and Mary Foley and our, our, our good pal of this program, uh, Michael Frick Murphy, are doing the annual sleep out in aid of Focus Ireland outside the post office in Passage West tonight. They'll be there from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. If anybody's in the area, pop down for a chat and support them and the work of Focus Ireland as they struggle to help almost 9,000 families battle with homelessness needs fundraising. Well done, Mary, and well done, Frick. That's tonight from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Papers-wise, in spite of everybody having had enough of COVID, and we were talking about it yesterday morning, I, I mean, the response by text and call and email uh, for a topic that everybody's fit up, fed up of, is, it, it always amazes me. Big response yesterday to the issues regarding those that are vaccinated, those that aren't, the amount of vaccinated people uh, or unvaccinated people in hospital. But what are we looking at now? Well, what we're looking at is waiting for the government now to decide next Tuesday whether to push ahead with the lifting of all remaining uh, restrictions next Friday. It's this day week that it was supposed to happen. But it may well change. And I'm just wondering as to whether everything might just open except for possibly nightclubs maybe. I just kind of got that feeling this morning. Publicans are fuming um, and they don't want their sector uh, punished. In fact, nobody wants their sectors punished due to the unvaccinated. Now, lads, I'm not saying that. That's a headline from the paper this morning. I don't mind taking the flack, but I think some of the flack that I take is for newspaper stories that are referred to. So seven days till freedom. COVID cert rules to remain in force, they're saying, in certain areas. I imagine when they say that, they mean that that would be in, obviously, in, in, in hospital settings. Um, if, uh, if nightclubs were to return, for instance, I think you would be looking at uh, COVID certificates and QR codes to get into them. Um, uh, whether you'd be dancing with a mask or not, I honestly don't know. Uh, but they're rolling out the vaccine booster now, and that dominates an awful lot of the stories. But it's interesting where, and we just, it's kind of a waiting game. You know, the numbers are up, and as, as the papers are saying this morning, uh, the, scroll, the scramble to halt the new COVID search is because hospitals are clogging up. And that's the front page of the mail today, and that's what's threatening the COVID cases. The more positive ones you have then, of course, the more potential you have for the some of the positive cases to need hospitalization and to need ICU treatment. That's what they're saying. But the mean age of those uh, who have died continues to be in and around 86 years of age. Um, and again, many people were at lengths to point out yesterday that in, a, in, in quite, we don't know the amount, but certainly there is an amount of people uh, who have died with COVID as opposed to from COVID. They would have had underlying conditions. They would have been immunocompromised and, and, and COVID, of course, would have been a factor in their death for sure. So the average age would have been 86 um, and that brings the total of 5,306. That's a story I'm reading from this morning's Echo. But hospitality in Leaside um, is remaining quite buoyant and putting the best foot forward for this day week, which was, which was of course the jazz, the jazz weekend. And uh, Michael O'Donovan from the Vintners Federation in Ireland, a great contributor to this program. I want to thank him for his contributions over the past 20 months. But he's saying that his members are preparing for the reopening and the upcoming jazz festival as planned. So they're ploughing on as if things will reopen and things will happen. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. There are um, 585 days now since the nightclub actually opened uh, in Ireland. Um, 585. So that's a long time for clubs to be shot and 
young people not being able to have a boogie or a drink or meet their pals. In, in other stories today, the front of the Echo has a story where heroin dealers have no shame whatsoever and are so brazen that they're even dealing drugs outside schools. And it's a story on the front page of this morning's Echo with a quote from Don O'Leary, who does Trojan work at the Cork Life Centre in Sunday as well with, with young people. And he says um, drug, dealers have been, dr- drug dealing has begun um, nearby. He says that there are queues for heroin uh, forming in the area regularly. And he fears that the area, that area around Sunday as well is becoming a hub for drug addicts as well. That's a front page of making the papers today. And um, as you head into the winter with the possibility of a strike in the UK by HGV drivers, don't know what the state of our shelves are going to be for, for Christmas, but um, certainly in other issues regarding that, energy prices make the papers with the examiner saying that there has been a 30 plus price rise announcements from suppliers since the start of this year. What that means is energy prices have gone up 30 times when you add all of the suppliers together so far this year. And they're set for a winter hike as well with more increases. Courts are quite interesting <clears throat> and I'd love to chat with them. I don't know if we get a chance to do it today, but I'd love to talk a little bit more about insurance claims and payouts because you know how uh, everything changed and the guidelines changed and injury awards fell as a result of it. Personal injury awards, they've fallen by 40% in comparison to say this time last year, there was they called the Personal Injuries Assessment Board was put in place and they slashed awards uh, by 40%. And certainly the first six months, you see huge drops in Irish payouts for injuries and what have you. Like, for instance, um, what would have been the average award of nearly 24,000 has now dropped to just over 14,000. So that's a big reduction, isn't it? It really and truly is. That's a story that makes this morning's examiner alongside another one of two women who claimed to have injured their ankles uh, as they got out of a bird's nest basket swing in a, and what's very important here, in a children's playground. They lost their high court action. Why? Because it was a children's playground. And the judge said... um, that the accidents were caused by the two adults themselves deciding to use equipment not designed for adult use and common sense would tell any adult that they shouldn't be using a swing designed for use by children, he said. So he dismissed both cases. So uh, injury awards falling and judges dismissing more cases that possibly should never have been in court in the first place. And then it was talking about shelves, full or empty shelves. And you know what? One of the tricks, unfortunately, that supermarkets have had to use, and I've noticed it myself, is filling empty shelves with things that normally wouldn't take up such huge amounts of shelf space. Like, for instance, there's photographs in the mail of the Times UK this morning of salad cream, uh, salad cream, you know, the plastic squeegee bottles of it, taking up reams of space in fridges. Uh, and who'd put that stuff in the fridge in the first place? Or HP sauce bottles in fridges, you know, the long fridges with the five or six shelves on them. Um, so I don't know what, what the story is with regards to... And, and then, of course... Lots of shelf space has literally been taken up by chocolates and sweets because they'd have a much longer life. So the papers are saying, you know, they're certainly very bad in the UK and you've got to wonder whether it's going to roll on to here. It's an interesting advertising-related story making uh, the Times UK as well where John Lewis have been accused of agenda pushing. There's so much terminology now. It's very difficult to keep up with it. Agenda pushing. They have an advert now featuring a boy dancing in a dress. 
I have no issue with that. If the lad is happy dancing in a dress, then leave him off. And he's singing along and dancing along to a, a clip of a tune by Stevie Nicks, by all accounts. They produced a, a short uh, commercial, which was shown on YouTube. But it's a minute long. And it follows a boy wearing makeup and a long dress as he scampers around the house to Stevie Nicks' um, song, Edge of Seventeen. Apparently, some people are very unhappy with that. Uh, another person who wears a dress and wears it very well is Frank Mackey. And <coughs> Nanny Nelly is back at the Opera House. You probably heard her on Breakfast with Ray and Laura this morning. But I love this panto, actually, because it's kind of like a cocktail of all former pantos. I was reading about it last night. So they'll have, you know, they'll have Jack and Jill and Tinkerbell. They'll have Peter Pan, Snow White, even Harry Potter, all in the same panto. Why didn't they think of this before? So, I mean, talk about value for money. You get like six pantos in one. So I imagine they'll be going into rehearsals pretty soon for that. And that's at the Opera House. And that's great news. And also, as Corkonians put their best foot forward, there's no dampening the spirits of the film festival because they've announced a full program for 2021. Uh, nine days of it. And you can follow them at corkfilmfest.org from November 13th. So we continue to put our best foot forward. But Christmas does dominate some of the newspapers with the mail this morning talking about the best sellers at Christmas time that unfortunately I know Santa Claus will be doing it all for free but if you're buying some extra bits and pieces they're probably going to cost you more because it's going to cost a lot more to ship them from China so Nintendo and Barbie and Toy Story um, and Sylvanian families and frozen stuff like that all that's going to cost a little bit more I hope only a little but if you're a fan of the cartoons I suppose Simpsons fans would say that's such an insult, you know, to call this Simpsons a cartoon. But they're looking for one person um, who they will pay six thousand euro to to watch every single episode of the thirty-three seasons. So if you're a Simpsons fan, you could make yourself six grand sitting down just watching two hundred and eighty hours of it. Um, you'll be tasked with taking notes and writing down the standout storylines of the past 33 seasons. So there's a bit of work involved in it for your six grand, but I'm sure that you might be interested if you're a, a Simpsons fan. Don't ask me how you apply. I guess you can just Google it. Six grand to sit down and watch every single episode of The Simpsons. Why not? I mean, what was uncanny about The Simpsons is the amount of things that it predicted down through the years, like predicting correctly that Donald Trump would become president of America was one that came to mind. I'm quite sure there are lots more besides. And a fellow by the name of Harry Potter has sold his Harry Potter book for 26 grand. And Banksy's work of art that shredded in a kind of a tiny little shredder and it up inside in the picture frame going up for auction, that has just sold for 18 million pounds. I mean, it's an, it's an incredible amount of money. For a guy, he doesn't actually paint he sprays stencils. He says his his actual drawing and artwork and his freehand work isn't good. <laughs> and for all that, with stencils and cans of paint, he can make eighteen grand for a for eighteen million for a half shredded piece of art. I mean. Mother of God Almighty, where's the world going? The Neil Prenderville Show. Even more interesting about this is that when it was sold for the first time, before it got shredded in the shredder and stuff, it sold for a million. So from a million to 18 million. And whoever bought it for 18 million will probably sell it on and make a colossal profit in a year or two, unless... Banksy art completely collapses. So I can't see that happen anytime soon. Anyway, lines open at 1850 104 106. You can text 0868 104 106. And be aware 
that today is a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. So if you'd like to win pizza for yourself and all of your workmates, here's what you got to do. Text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. You will win pizza, enough pizza to feed 15 of you. Not just the big large pizzas, but garlic bread, potatoes, drinks, dips and desserts for 15. So who are you? Where are you? Who are you working with? Uh, text 0868 104 106. Um, and we'll start shout-outs in about 20 minutes' time, maybe half an hour's time, and away we go. We also have family passes to give away uh, this morning for Alpine Skate Trail. Further details at iceskating.ie. I'll tell you some more about that a little later on this morning. But can I get straight to the phone lines, if you don't mind, because uh, Paul is standing by. He's got some very good advice, actually. So we've been dealing a lot with um, tumble dryers going on fire. Megan, good morning. Morning, Neil. Thanks for holding. Um, okay, yesterday we had two Indeset dryers on air, or at least the owners of them went on fire. What was the story with your one? Um, I was Indeset as well, and it went on fire, but mine wasn't a condenser dryer. It was one with the vent at the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably better, they said. It was on the wrong side. No, actually, it's actually worse. Go away, why? Because when my house was done up, it's a council house, it was where they put the hole for the vent was on the wrong side. So when it was put in, the vent was going across the back. Now, I don't think that's actually standardised, but when I asked the man that came out after it went on fire, he said that they're nearly always on the right. But does it actually matter as long as it get, as, as long as long the vent sees fresh air, kind of? No, because... It, or yes, it does, because it was, it was trapping the fluff. It wasn't going out properly. Because it was going across the back of the dryer. So oh, so okay, the lint built up and the fluff built up for whatever reason. You're putting it down to the actual hose nozzle going out, the vent going out. The but what? what it said that. Okay. That's what it was. That because it was going across the back and out, it wasn't going directly out straight. That it was. It turned. Getting the lint out properly, it went on fire. So it turned. It, it turned, and the hose clogged up. It was the hose that clocked up. It actually, it, when he opened it, when he came out to investigate it after, um, it was all full. The entire tumble dryer was full of lint inside it. Like, you, we were lucky we weren't killed. Like, and was you supposed to clean that yourself, though, aren't you? No, 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 no. This is the actual, when you take off the top of it, the dr- inside it, like, all oh, the wires. right. The mechanics of it. Yeah, okay, okay. The mechanics of it. But what happened when, where, like, tell us the story of it going on fire. It was just, I was in the kitchen, I was just doing college work and then I I could smell the the burning smell I just had a load on and I plugged it out and I pulled it outside because I didn't want the house going far but it was, I burnt it out my hand but I brought it out and it stopped but the smell was absolutely awful. You caught it on time, I know I'm sounding like a scratch record, could you imagine all of the people who caught it on time if they were in bed or indeed um, were out of the house? I've always warned my mother to never leave it on. But yeah, no, just so people know that check the vent because that is a big problem. Check the vent. Um, why, why did Indesit come out? Did they replace it? Was it old or what was the deal there? No, it was only a year old. I had only got it the year before and they did come out. I hadn't registered it like that lady, so I don't know did they change it. But they did come out and they did replace it. Well, that was all right, and wasn't it? they gave it? me a condenser one instead, instead because they said that no matter what you could do with the other one, it, it would go on fire again with the way the pipe was. So in spite of the fact that the exit pipe wasn't their fault, Indeset still gave you a new dryer? Yeah. 
All right. Okay. Well, it's good customer service for something that wasn't their fault, isn't it? Yeah, no, they were they were very good to deal with, to be honest. Okay, all right. Okay, listen, thanks for that. And thanks for the tip with regards to the vent going out the wrong way. People should be aware of that. Straight line, no mess and no twists or turns. Yeah. Gotcha. Thanks, Megan. Take care. Paul Pemberton. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I have a very lengthy text from you, but rather than read it out, you were involved with Essex County Fire Service. Is that right? That's correct, Neil, yeah. Okay. And of 28 experience in dealing with home fire, or more importantly, trying to prevent it. Um, what's, the sto- what's the story? Rather than read out the text, tell me what you've got to offer us with regards to tumble dryers going on fire. So we do a lot within uh, the fire service around our prevention activities. And one of the key things that we see quite often are electrical appliances, most notably tumble dryers. What else so besides tumble dryers, incidentally? Sorry? What else besides tumble dryers are liable to go on fire that you've dealt with? When we look at electrical items in the home, there's lots of risks that can present themselves. So we we live in a society now, there's a lot of mobile phones, tablets, um, things such as laptops, microwaves, washing machines, anything that's electrical presents itself as a risk. If it's not properly maintained or if it's not sited correctly as well, when you consider where that's going to be sited, like your last caller just said, you know, when we install electrical items, sometimes we put it in a place when we don't think about the risks that are surrounding that when we site it. Um, most notably for us, we do see a high number of fires, particularly in the kitchen environment. Over 70% of our accidental dwelling fires occur in the kitchen. Now, not all are attributed to electrical. The main cause of that can be down to distraction when cooking. But a lot of electrical items around the home If we look at the triangle of fire, and it needs three things, it needs oxygen, heat, and fuel. Mm -hmm. Within electrical, using electrical items, electricity generates its own heat. And if it's not placed correctly, or if it's overloaded, then that can be a substantial ignition point for any fire occurring in the home. So then why then do we have rather cramped utility rooms um, where they have built-in wooden units that we shove... A machine like a tumble dryer that generates huge heat. Yeah, it's always really important, Neil, that when we're citing electrical items, the manufacturers do give guidance and advice, but we, we always mention that anything that produces heat needs to have some sort of ventilation around it so it can cool down naturally. Some, some kitchens we go into, there's been adaptations. People have put things in places because it suits their needs. They might not have the space to store it somewhere. And a lot of these uh, electrical fires that we do uh, come across are from people that have placed them inappropriately or not considered where they're storing it. So when we talk about ventilation, when we have a kitchen fitted, that's all done appropriately because the kitchen is fitted around the needs of the appliance to give it that space. But sometimes when we're buying uh, electrical equipment, say, secondhand, which a lot of us do, we don't necessarily have the correct space of the fitting to place it. And you're just shoving it in there. Do people actually buy and sell secondhand tumble dryers? Yeah, of course, in the UK, there is a large market for that. Um, Not everybody has the financial means to go out and buy a new appliance, and quite often that might be picked up through some of the social media. I know, but that could be Uh, a lethal weapon if it's old, couldn't it? Yeah, and that's why we we, we promote, uh, back in the UK, uh, Register My Appliance, and this is a system of where uh, anybody that has a second-hand appliance up to, I think it's 15 years old, can register that appliance with the manufacturer. So if there is any product recalls or there is any emerging risks, 
and we work with other fire and rescue services across the UK. So when we go to a fire and there's a certain type or model of electrical equipment that's been involved in that fire, we share the information. Yeah. And anything right? that's sort of over it, between is, 5 or 10, that creates a risk. Is there any and place that people can go to where they can see what electrical appliances go on fire more than others? What brand names, for instance? Well, on this Register My Appliance website, and we have been looking at this, um, there is a, a range of information. And although I've been told that people from the Republic can't register, which I find really difficult to understand because it's not about the location, it's about the appliance. And a lot of pl- appliances are imported into Ireland. So you can go there and you can get information on product recalls, safety advice, uh, and it gives you a range of information. I personally used it myself where... There was a uh, particular tumble dryer I had in my property before we moved to Ireland. Uh, where my apologies, I should have said you're working remotely from Kanturk. My apologies. Yeah. I am, yes. I'm the Englishman in Kanturk, <laughs> as, 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 as the record goes. Um, I've been here for two years and I absolutely love it. But, yeah, from my experience, that allowed me to be notified that there was a, a risk for my tumble dryer, much as some of your callers have explained over the last uh, few days that uh, lint and fluff was a build-up and it was a potential fly risk. So I contacted them. I didn't get the outcome your previous caller got. I, I did get to buy a new uh, uh, item at a greatly reduced price. But what it did, it gave me that early uh, notice that there was a risk in my home, and a substantial risk as well, which I stopped using immediately. Our tumble dryer was on probably three or four times a day because of the amount of people living in the house. And rather than be delayed in the maintenance man coming out to fix that, we took the option of buying a new appliance. Okay. It was greatly reduced. Okay. Um, but that's, that's the sort of thing I can direct people to. Look okay. at the rest of my appliance website and they can gather information there. Uh, okay. You, you said that a, a single person earning under £12,000 living on their own is four times more likely to have a fire in their property. How did you come up with that research? Yes. That's, that's fascinating. So we work quite closely with um, the academic environment as well. We produce a lot of data from our fires, and we never really captured that data. But over the last, the course of the last five years, we've looked really deeply at uh, what can we understand more about risk uh, and fires and try and prevent them from occurring in the homes. The ones that are avoidable, um, and by working with one of the universities, we gathered all of that data, and the outcome of that data provided us some really clear sort of patterns that were emerging. We, we could tell you which month of the year, that, and that being December, which time of the day people were more likely to have fires, and that ranged between 6 and 8 o'clock in the evening. We looked at the type of property, whether that was privately owned or whether that was a rented accommodation. We looked at the type of person living in the accommodation and what surrounded them, and one of the key things, the outcomes for that was if a, there was an, an outcome of uh, income coming into the house, say so £12,000, as uh, uh, if you sort of measured it against uh, an, an income of £40,000, that property of £12,000 was four times more likely to have a fire. Yeah, but why? Property. Why? Because of the impact. When you look at the impact of uh, financial income, that can have a sort of multi-layered approach to risk. People on a reduced income into a house might have different approach to safety. They might have different needs. They might not be looking to um, use uh, traditional cooking methods. They might be using microwaves more. They might be using unconventional cooking methods. We see a lot of camping stoves being used. Indoors. Food and fuel. Yep, yep. We see them being used. 
We see portable barbecues being, being used because they're a cheaper alternative. Some people haven't got the financial means to keep paying electricity and gas supplies, so they look at cheaper alternatives to enable them to cook safely. Are chip pans, are chip pans, are chip pans still in use, you know, which would be literally a pot full of boiling oil or very hot oil? Yeah. yeah. Chip pan fires are uh, still being used. When we look at that, um, that can be from a, a cultural background. Some cultures prefer to cook in, in, in with cooking oil, but we do see uh, a high number of um, fires that result in serious and fatal injuries resulting from how people have tried to put out chip pan fires. Mm. I actually had one myself here in Canterbury with a neighbour a few months ago where the smoke alarm, I could hear it going off, and I thought, that's unusual. Normally for about 20 or 30 seconds, that, that stops. So I looked out the window and I saw the smoke billowing out from a neighbour's property, went over... Uh, got her out. She had significant burns to her because what she'd done, she'd been cooking with oil, and then when the pan had ignited, she um, put it under the tap. Oh, yeah, that makes it, that makes it worse, doesn't it? And that just it just sprayed hot oil all across her, her arms and her legs. Oh, my God, the misfortune. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, she had injuries, but what cooking a- oil is still prevalent, and we, we need to be really careful, no more than a third of the size of the pan that when we're cooking, and don't get distracted. If you're cooking with oil... Don't leave the room. So let me just ask you on that, because I think people will be interested in this. If a pan goes on fire, say, with oil in it, lots of oil, will it actually, will it actually flame up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it will ignite. And, and what are you supposed to do then when you've got a pan igniting and there's flames coming out of it? Right. What we suggest is if it's safe to do so, remove the pan from the source of the heat. If it's not, then the most important message that we give out is get out, stay out, call the fire service out. We can replace things, but we can't replace people. We used to advise people of trying to approach it with a damp tea towel. That's what I was going to say. I thought the rule, I thought the advice was to yeah. throw a wet or a damp towel on top of it. Yeah, but your, your, um, how you would consider what a damp towel would be as to how I would consider a damp towel to be might be completely different. And in the moment, you've got shock as well. And what we were finding with people will be presenting themselves with more injuries, trying to get the towel placed onto the, uh, the boiling pan, if you like. Um, but also, it was incre- increasing a risk for the individual. Because if you didn't damp that towel down and put too much water in it and then threw it onto the chip pan It'll and say so you missed, it'll make that it worse. would explode. Yeah. Jenny Mac. So you're, you're kind of like just surrendering your property to the flames, aren't you? Well, you don't have to, Neil. There is lots that we can do uh, around looking at risk in our homes. Oh, yeah. When you, I mean, you need to try and rule yeah. out the risk. I understand that. But I suppose but you are right, though, because your safety and your life is much more important than property and things. So yeah. you are right in that regard. You know, when you said, just before yeah. I let you go, you said 6 to 8 p.m. the most fires. Why, why then? Is that when there's most people in the house doing things? Yeah, there's Dinner. more people in the house. And as I said to you, uh, uh, Almost 70% of our accidental dwelling fires occur in the kitchen environment. And this is when people are at home and cooking. So that's the time that we see a lot of our call-outs, if you like. And December is a particularly busy month. Whether that's leading up to festivities, whether that's the change, you know, we, we talk a lot about RTCs as well. When the clocks go back and we see the time difference and a lot of people Traffic are now travelling to yeah, and from work, yeah, yeah. In, you know, and the conditions. But yeah, most noticeably from us, and this is this is a takeaway I want to give you for for the session that you you know enabled me to have today. You know, is the importance of smoke alarms. You know, we all have smoke alarms in our property. 
Um, they won't produce a pair of hands that will scoop us up and lift us out safely from the property. There's things we need to do around that smoke alarm. Yeah, and what you need to do is make sure that the battery's in and it's working. Yeah, it's charged. Test it every week. And even if it's an electrical um, wired alarm, make sure you isolate the electrics once a month so that you can see that the battery backup is going to work. Because quite often, in any fire situation, the electrics are the first thing to go. And if you're asleep, you need that alarm because you want to be woken. It's very important. And just very finely, what about dodgy chargers and candles? Do they feature? Everyone's got candles now, a lot of them in the bedroom. Yep. We have have six key offenders that we talk about when we do our fire safety sessions. And uh, electrical appliances... Cheap, uh, cheap uh, equipment that's used to charge them. Quite often cheap is not best when we're looking at electricity. Um, candle safety, we talk about that as well. But the most important thing around electricity is to make sure you've got the most appropriate uh, fuse in the plug that it's rated to. Don't try and overload that item from um, drawing electricity. Don't daisy chain. Overloaded daisy chain sockets is daisy chaining, is it? Exactly. Yeah, that creates a risk in itself and it exposes anything around that um, as well as the appliance that it's charging or, or running off the electricity to the risk of, of fire. Because yeah, but why would that happen? Heat. Like, Surely be to God, it, would, it should trip a switch. Yeah, you would like to think so, Neil, but in some aspects, it doesn't always happen. Right. That's a mechanism that's there that, that we often assume is just going to provide that safety aspect, but over a period of time, anything that's presented to heat will eventually combust. So it might be a slow slow build-up of heat, but if something's going to go wrong, particularly electricity, when it sparks, it can ignite surrounding things that are close to it. Gotcha, yeah. But you have to be really mindful. Uh, anything electricity-wise, make sure you follow the manufacturer's instructions and don't always think cheap is best because... You can't put a price on your own safety. Yes, indeed. And don't assume that the trip board will trip. Fascinating conversation, Paul. I really appreciate it. I hope people learned a lot from it. Yeah, I hope so, too. Thank you for the opportunity, Neil. Stay in touch. Fire doesn't discriminate, doesn't look at location. It can appear anywhere in our home. And we just need to be mindful of that. No, I wanted to talk to you because... Yeah, yeah, the smoke alarm working. No, I wanted to talk to you because there's more and more calls coming in with, uh, with regards to tumble dryers going on fire. It's important to... Uh, you know, give people the best, best advice and yeah, you're the professional absolutely. for that. All right. Cheers, Paul. Have a good weekend. Absolutely. Take care. Paul Pemberton by phone, one 106 Himself very much engaged in the uh, UK Fire Service, working remotely. Uh, I guess he's probably one of the online data analysts now at this stage for the Fire Service in Kantark. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Talking yesterday uh, on air um, about attacks on taxi drivers, um, particularly knife attacks where they're being threatened with a knife for money. Uh, And we chatted about that. And while we were on air, of course, yesterday morning, yet another report came in just before midday of another attack, which probably brought it to four, possibly, possibly five, I think, possibly, but certainly four. Uh, in the last uh, in the last week, so that's worrying. And then I came across some information that it was provided with, with regards to the amounts of assaults on taxi drivers. Um, now this is this is worrying because these are only reported assaults. So I don't know if there could be even more uh, with regards to um, taxi drivers who were assaulted or with issues with customers that never reported it. But the number that's been recorded, they say by by the Gardaí, and this is a this is a national figure, is six hundred and thirty-two uh, reported assault incidents on taxi drivers since two thousand 
and 16. Uh, on average, you're talking about anywhere between 130 and 150 uh, reported assault incidents uh, on taxi drivers a year. But when you total 2016, 17, 18, 19 and 20, it comes to 632, which is a very, very high number. Um, and imagine amongst those stats may well have been Catherine's step-granddad, uh, Duncan Gearish. Uh, Catherine, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. And you asked me by text, do I remember uh, what happened to your step-granddad, Duncan? I do. I, I remember vaguely the story was a taxi driver, an attack in Cove, wasn't it? That's correct, yeah. A couple of years back. Yeah. Um, late at night. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now... Poor old Duncan has passed away since, hasn't he? He died a few months he, ago. He did. Okay. He died on the 20th of November. Okay. And so if we go back to over three years ago, was it an argument over a, a taxi fare or what, Catherine? A taxi fare, yeah. He just picked up a young fella and the young fella didn't want to pay the five euros tax, taxi fare. Was that all it was, a fiver? All it was was a fiver. And Duncan, anyone that knows Duncan, he was a big man. So when he was assaulted, he couldn't defend himself because of the seatbelt. Okay, so, so your man got in and uh, your your step-granddad drove him to his destination, pulled up, asked for a fiver, and did he tell yeah. you about what happened? Your man just said, I'm not giving it to you, is it? Um, I can't remember the exact, exactly what happened now, but it was all over a fiver. He didn't want to pay the five euros. Okay. He said it was too much coming up the hill. Did he not just do a runner? I mean, did he actually hit or attack him? Oh, he attacked him. He attacked him. He had two black eyes. Um, his nose was bleeding. His face was all scratched. Um, he ended up, the ambulance came, but he wouldn't go to the hospital at the time. Yeah. The guards were called. So he continued working for about an but hour. But your man had done a runner, had he, at this stage, is it? He had done a runner, but the, your man that done it was actually a neighbour of Duncan's. Okay, so I won't go into much detail about that, no, but no, let me just... Yeah, let me just... Did it, was there a court case or anything? There was, it okay. was court, yeah. And is it still ongoing? No, it's okay. finished. All right. So maybe, Seamus, you could get me the, the... I need a court report on that, if you don't mind. Um, so you don't mind. I'll just check the court report on that one before I proceed with it. But he kept working, you said, for about an hour, is it? He kept working until a friend of mine got into the taxi and Duncan was so shook up. He, he didn't really realise what was going on and he was covered in blood. And the young fella rang me and told me that Duncan was... He picked up Duncan. Well, Duncan picked him up. So we... Got Duncan home. How old was he at this stage, Duncan? How old? Duncan, I say at that age, time he was about 72. 72. So he kept working, covered in blood, bruises and hurt. Out of shock, I suppose. Pure shock. I totally out of shock. Totally. Okay. Okay, so so after that hour anyway, that young fella that he picked up, in fairness to them, managed to get in touch with you guys, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, what happened? He rang us. It was his mother actually rang us. So they got Duncan home. And the next morning we went down to Duncan and he was just black and blue. His whole face was swollen. He was black and blue. Got him tested by the doctor and he was okay. But he went back to work and I think he worked for about two or three months after that. And he just never recovered from the shock. And he just went downhill. Couldn't walk properly. His back was hurt. He ended up using a walker. Um, He was just... He just was, he was half the man he was. He was depressed, he was scared, he was nervous. He was like, look, what 
can you say when you're assaulted at the, that age? Depressed, scared and nervous to get into the taxi because yeah. he never knew what was going to happen next. Yeah, yeah. So then he stopped doing nights, so he started doing days, but even the days, he just couldn't do it any longer. Oh my God. And he ended up just going downhill and then he got so sick he ended up going into hospital and he just died then in November. It's just sad. You saw you saw an immediate change in him afterwards. Oh, immediately, immediately, oh, and what? anyone that knows him will tell you that he went downhill after that. And what kind of a chap was he before the attack? Funny, very loving, very affectionate. Um, he was a great man. I, you know, he lived beside me here for over twenty odd years. Um, he was a great, great to my kids. He was Welsh. He was a policeman in, in Wales for years. Um, what can I say about him? Just He was everything that you want, that you needed off a man, you know, your grandfather, your father, yeah. your stepfather. Yeah. He was just, he was there for us. He was, yeah. yeah, he was great. That was a, that's was a, lo- that's a lovely tribute to pay to him. But, but did, he have, did he discuss it in the two or three years after the attack? Um, he did. He did, but he he just went, he forgave, and he moved on, he said. He said, I forgive, and I move on. And he left it at that, then. But you believe that the attack led to um, his diminished health? 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He he loved going for his point, which he continued doing going for his point. He loved going for his point. He loved having the crack with the lads. and you know, He was just... He loved going shopping. He loved buying new shirts. That was all gone. All of that stuff. It was like turning off a light after the attack. Yeah. yeah. Totally went. He loved going away for a weekend with my mother. No, himself and my mother had separated, but they continued to be great friends and they looked after each other continuously right up to the day he died. That's lovely. And it, just, it was just sad to see him go, go down so fast. An enormous impact on him, that attack. And on the family. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. yeah, he must. You know, he must have loved driving a taxi if he was driving away at seventy-two. It was his income. Yeah, he had to at that age. You know, it's sad to say, like, but he had to. Yeah. Um, so when you hear of attacks like we've had at least four in the last week on Lee Side alone, unfortunately with knives, it must bring it all back again. That's what happened. I was sitting in the car and it it just brought it all back and it, it just said, geez, something has to be done. Like, you know, it's just not safe being in, t- in a taxi anymore. You know, even if we had something like the black tax, taxis in London, mm. something like that, something has to be done because it's just, I don't know. Even even talking about it now, put the shiver up my spine. Was your, I, I can't I can't go into a whole lot of detail, but I've asked for them to check to see if there's a court report. We can't seem to find it. Was your man a minor or anything? Do you know? No, he wasn't. And was was there a court case and a sentence or anything, or was there a, yeah. a fine or yeah. was there jail time? You don't know. Do you know? There was a fine. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel about that? Do you know? Um. I, I haven't really talked much about it because I do know the young fella. Uh, well, he, is, yeah, yeah. he is a nice young fella. And okay. it's just a shame that this has happened. Why it happened, I don't know, but I knew the young fella growing up and he was a lovely young fella. You sound like a very compassionate family, the whole lot of you, to say something like that. And for Duncan to forgive. 
Life is short. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, life, uh, life is hard on everyone at the moment and we just have to move on. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't have an issue with the, uh, the fact that there wasn't a custodial sentence or anything like that? You think that the fine was sufficient? I don't okay. because... Okay. I don't. I think the fine was fine. Duncan was happy enough with that. And as I said to you, the young fella was. He, he, I liked him. Okay. I liked the young fella. Okay. It was just something that happened. No one knows what was going on in his life at the time. Okay. Well, as I say, that's quite compassionate of you. I don't know if everybody would feel that way, but it's how you feel, and I have to admire you for that, um, Miss Fortune. And he he passed away only a couple of uh, couple of months ago, did he? Yeah. He he got sick at home, was taken into the TUH and then transferred from the TUH to Liam Lauren Nursing Home where he died on the 20th of November. But no one got to see him. He was in hospital for about six weeks before that. So no one got to say goodbye or nothing. And he he died on his own during COVID. It's fortune. Miss yeah. Fortune, Miss Fortune. Let us remember him today, Catherine. I hope I'm pronouncing his surname right. Am I Duncan Gerrish? That's correct. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, listen, thank you for taking my call. I know it can't have no been easy. Me. All Thanks right. Look after yourself. Take Cheers. Care. Bye. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. A uh, very special double happy birthday today to Julie Haynes and Tara Murphy, both big fans of the show, and they say, share the same birthday. So happy birthday to both of you, Julie, and to Tara. Free Food Friday is off to a busy start. Pizza for 15 of you, courtesy of ourselves, and Oak Fire Pizza. So some shout-outs to ECI, JCB, and Carrick Tool who are listening. We'd love some pizza as a treat. Ailish is working from home in Mitchellstown. The gang at Ardfallon Late Night Pharmacy, uh, particularly Caroline. To everybody at Cove Hospital who are listening. To Sinead, working at home for... Amazon, everybody at Passage West Post Office, Ashgrove Recycling and Churchfield, Bridgewater Homes in Blackrock, Pepsi, Sarah and everybody at Pepsi in Little Island, Impact Ireland Metals in Glanmire, good morning to Lisa, Dunamore Family Resource Centre are listening this morning, the SNAs in Ballygarvan National School, morning Emma, to everybody at O'Regan Tarmac and all of the workers, Tarm Academy, the band, the Tarm Academy what, Bandon, all abandoned today? You'll be hungry. Uh, Barry Sheehan, all painters, uh, holistic Brothers of Charity, O'Donovan Life Pharmacy in Ballafihan, Blockwall, Blockwall Developments in Ballinglana, Argos in Mahan, Quest Software, Dalton's in Mitchellstown, working hard for Abbey Maintenance, uh, Ross Carberry Pharmacy, Morning Alana, um, Valerie Walsh in Ballafihan, just because she's an amazing worker and a terrific hairdresser, everybody working for Kevin McAllen Building Services, Bar One Racing, Dermody Dental Practices in Evergreen Road, uh, House Housing First Team of Focus Ireland, and Cork Simon working hard helping those experiencing homelessness in the city to the staff of the Matter Private Hospital and Cork Distribution in Little Island. So that's the first bunch of shout-outs of people who are listening. You can get involved and possibly win pizza. Text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Get it off your chest. 
Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And keep those texts coming for shout-outs. You could win yourself uh, Free Food Friday pizza, which is six of the big super-duper large pizzas with garlic bread, potatoes, drinks, dips, and desserts. Fifteen of you will be fed, courtesy of ourselves, an Oak Fire Pizza, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gillaby Street, and Douglas Village. You can get further details at oakfirepizza.ie. So text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. And between now and midday, a family pass for the Alpine Skate Trail. I love this idea. You're literally skating through the woodlands of Fota. And it opens on Friday, November 12th. It's great to be talking about things opening. And uh, that's really very festive, isn't it? October, November 12th, it starts and runs right up to maybe even through Christmas. But further details there at icegating.ie. You're listening out for this uh, skating this is somebody actually doing a bit of skating. So, when you hear that, and you will, sometime between now and midday, pick up the phone, call it 10 wins, a family pass for Alpine Skate Trail. I'm delighted, actually, for Cork on Ice, because I believe it's uh, the same uh, company. I was uh, chatting with Bill Kremen about, I don't know, about eight, maybe ten months ago, and he wasn't sure what the future would hold with regards to in- insurance renewals. Might have even been last year. And so I'm delighted that things are going from strength to strength. Well done, Bill. Delighted in your latest venture, uh, which is uh, Alpine Skate Trail down um, through the woodlands of Fota. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 086-8104-106. Um, Anthony, good morning. Hey, good morning, Neil. Um, yeah, I was just actually, d- during the news there, just... Um, Checking out on the attack in 2015 of John Constant. You remember that. He suffered awful facial injuries. Um, but what yeah. was interesting about that, I spoke to him on the air at the time, is that those six men that he picked up on the Grand Parade and brought him up to the Highlands in Glanton, none of them, um, I think they got adult cautions for the attack on him. And he was really annoyed about that. And he said it will make more people slower to make well, formal complaints, you know? Well, Neil, at least he got... So he 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 had his the people in court. I had you. I was attacked about four years ago. Well, they weren't. I, I don't think they were in court. I think it was an adult caution. I don't think yeah. that goes to court. But anyway, it was the third time in twenty five years working as a taxi man that he was attacked. I remember that. So tell me your own situation. Yeah, I was attacked there. It's as far as I know. I think it's still an ongoing investigation, but it's four years now since anything ever happened. Um, I was attacked out in Kilcully there, and I wasn't the only victim on that night as well. There was um, a 69-year-old man attacked also in his own house as well by the same person. Right. And and up to date, there's been nobody ever caught or charged for these two crimes, you know? Okay. Well, it's difficult for me to go there then if it's an ongoing investigation. But you were driving your your taxi. Was it a fair? It was, yeah. What happened? I, I was I was sent up to a house there in 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 Mayfield. Yeah, and uh, the passenger got into the back of the car, and I kind of smelt a rat at, at the time, like, but it wasn't nothing unusual to be going to out to Kilcully Cemetery at that hour of the night, like, we often got calls from people to go to uh, Kilcully at that hour of the night and drop them off out there to see the loved ones. Ha- at what time, like, was that? That was at uh, 5 to 11 at night. And would you from time to time get a grieving relative going to the Kilcully in a taxi at 11 at night? Oh, yeah. No bother. Well, we, we get a lot to them there, like, you know. And you wait for them when they go into their loved one's grave? Well, and... well that's... When my attack started there, your man 
open his mouth and he's turned around and he asked me to know but I wait for him and by the time I could say uh, I will there was a leather strap around my neck and I was, my head was pulled back into the seat of the car God almighty you know oh he's trying to strangle me out like you're joking me yeah what happened then well yeah, the, he only said something like fucking shut your mouth no like that and give me all your money or else I shoot you and I was said to myself then they said this fellow no we're dealing with the full deck I said so in the end I pulled him up out of the back, out of the seat with my neck and pulled every muscle in my neck at the same time joking and, me yeah and I just managed to give him a box into the face and I managed to free myself from the strap then and he bailed up out of the car into the into the cemetery. Right. And I had the car positioned in such a way that I knew there was cameras out there on the wall and I I positioned the car so that the cameras could see into the car and yeah, I took off into the cemetery and I managed to get a call on my radio and one of my colleagues was there in a couple of seconds and the guards were there about five minutes later. And up to this date, there's been no sign of this cold brush like. But and how do you know that he was? How do you know that that was connected to an attack on somebody in a, in, in their home? Um, I know the man that was attacked as well, because this fellow he went into the school camp as well, and he done something in the school camp across the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went across the fields into the back of a man's house and attacked the man in there with a, with a hammer. And, like, in, there was a scuffle broke out in that house. Did he connect with the uh, hammer? Uh, no. No. Did he rob uh, the man? He did. He got away with a couple of pounds from the man there because they were struggling for a while in the kitchen of the house or something to that effect. And so this would be, like, midnight at night. Was it, This was after your attack? Yeah, that was about... Half an hour after I was attacked, and like flying, what was this fellow to do that? Like, it was, it was bold as brass because there was at least about seven or eight, maybe ten squad cars in the vicinity at that time. Looking from? Yeah. So, if you went into but, uh, the cemetery, he must come out another way, did he? Obviously. Yeah, he came out over the wall, up the road by the old cemetery, crossed over into a pitch. Did into, you get a, the, Did you get a look at him or anything? I didn't because he had done a kind of a. I don't know if you ever know that one of these, uh, know these old Eskimo coats, we used to call them there. Yeah, I know, with ago. the hood and the kind of the furry yeah. bit around the edge. Yeah. He had something like that on him there, and you could just barely see the outline of his face, like, you know, and he kept his head down all the time with me because I was trying to make eye contact in the mirror with him, and he kept moving around in the back of the car. Did you kind of have a premonition at that stage that this was going wrong? Yes, I kind of did. And I said I'd play it out. Now, I, I'm, I wasn't, I'm not no small for either, like, you know. Like, and I'm a kind of a bit of a plump fellow, like. Yeah. And, uh That stood to you, actually, and you pulled, when you pulled them with the, with the muscles in your neck? Basically, that's all I saved my life that did night there was the bit of weight that I had, like, you know. Yeah, but you wouldn't have saved your life if you also had a knife or a hammer. No. None whatsoever. But you weren't going to give in to this guy, no? That was the idea. You were not going to well, give in to him. When, when he mentioned what he mentioned, I said, just for the no. Like, he, 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 he had only two hands. 
So how's he going to like, shoot me, like? His so, two hands are pulling the leather strap around exactly. your neck. Exactly. So I said, he's only two hands, like, so he can't shoot me. So I, I chanced this. I just locked, I just calendared the staring me, like, pulled him up out of the seat. And I just managed to get one blow at him. And that done the trick. And he legged it. And, 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 and out the door and into the graveyard. Did you pick him up at a house in Mayfield? Well, I was sent up to a house there on the Northing Road. I, I, I don't want to know the address or anything, but did yeah. he actually come out of a house? I don't know. Cause you don't know. He came out from behind those trees in front of yeah, the house. Yeah, so you couldn't said. identify a house then? I had a house number, but it ended up that house had nothing to do with it. Like. Ah, yeah. I know. You know? I know. But uh, it was on crime, stop, uh, crime watch and everything there, sir. And how are you after the attack? I mean, like, well, you nervous? Were you a bit apprehensive I, about doing I was, nights? I was nervous. I, I took a while ago to go back to work. And I was nervous enough, like, you know. And even up to this day, I'm still a bit nervous in the car, you know. So you, you literally do not know which one of you will be attacked next. It's not, it's like a lottery. I say you it's like a lottery like it could be any one of us out here like you know like, like, like we should be we should be issued and I said it even years ago when I was attacked we should be issued with uh, like a pepper spray or something to that effect that if we are being attacked we can defend ourselves like you know can you not just can you not buy that no well technically we cannot arm ourselves in the care yeah, I know what you mean. Who, yeah, you whoever you whoever you use it against them was Sui or something. God only exactly. knows. Exactly, it actually happened to a chap out in the south side. There one thing there, he was attacked in his taxi and he defended himself. And it ended out that poor taxi driver actually lost his license to walk as a taxi driver. Isn't he couldn't that walk bizarre? as a taxi driver anymore? He, he was actually prosecuted. He was prosecuted he, for assault, defending himself. He was a, exactly. Yes, it's hard to believe that actually. Someone's trying know. to rob him, he defends himself, and he's the one that gets prosecuted. Exactly, he's the one that gets prosecuted and loses his job at the same time. Good God almighty, what's going on, like? Where's the law? Where's exactly, justice? that's what I was saying there, like, we, we should be issued with, with pepper spray, and if the taxi driver do use the, the pepper spray, and to replenish it, you'd have to go to Anglesey Street or any Yarda station right. and fill out a report from saying the reason why we used the pepper spray. But you know something, that, okay, fair play to you on that point, but if I get into a taxi or a black cab in, in London, or if I get into a yellow taxi in New York, the driver is completely cut off me by very, I know I'm like a scratch track artist, it's very thick perspex, and it goes right across the gap between the front and the back of the taxi. You can't get anywhere near them. Why Why doesn't that happen? And for the simple reason there, and I, the, the, those cars... They cost sixty five thousand euro or sixty thousand pounds to make, you know. And the government won't give the VRT off the amount of tax, cut the tax or the VRT off part of it off. Like, there was, there was, no, but hang on a second. How much would it cost to install a, a thick perspex sheet in every taxi? Surely, be the god, you're yeah. talking about a couple of hundred euro, are you? Well, you, you would like, but playing. The, the, the car, our cars are too small for that kind of thing. Like you need the like the wheelchair accessible cars, you know, like what they have for the wheelchairs, you know, cars that size. But it's, it's something like the English taxis that you need, where you're totally segregated. Yeah, custom built taxis. Yeah, as custom, opposed to custom built taxis. 
as opposed to domestic cars, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the domestic car is too small for the likes of that okay. crack, you know? All right. Like, okay. At the moment, we have shields in the cars for the COVID virus and what have you. Like, they're good enough up to a certain extent, like, but they can be taken off, or if they're carrying knives, they can be cut off, like, you know? Yeah. Okay. Held down with flag and okay. okay. Do you recover from issues with. Have you any recurring problems with your neck or anything? I do get neck pains there every so often there in my neck. I'm on medication and still far as like, you know. So he sounds as if he got away scot free, that fella. I did. Scot free, as far as I know. I never heard the more from it. Anymore than the award. And nor did, a, fa- like nor did a man who was uh, attacked with the hammer and robbed in the house. He heard nothing no, either. He, nothing either. Now, what to call as far as we are concerned, that, that fella got away happy as Larry. Okay, okay. Are you still driving a taxi, Anthony? I am. I'm still there. I, I'm still at it. Okay. Look after but yourself, right? Mind I, yourself. I will everyone to get into the car. You'd be weary, like, you know. But luckily enough, I have a shield in the car. And at the moment, no, it's only people in the back, and that's it. The front doors are locked. So, and that's the way it'll stay until such time as this fellow's caught. Yeah, you're wary enough, in fairness, yeah, after what you yeah. went through. Okay. Thanks, Anthony. Cheers, my oh, man. Indeed. Take care, Thank sir. You. Thanks bye for bye. taking the call. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We got calls, texts, and emails after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Yeah, it's important to get texts and emails on air. And yesterday, of course, there was uh, the news and the stats were released with regards to the amount of people in hospital and ICU. And of course, it got very passionate on the air with regards to who was in hospital, vaccinated and unvaccinated. And I took some stick for that, and that's okay. Just remember when reading the headlines uh, every morning, uh, about particularly about a sudden or a sharp rise in COVID-19 cases, you need to remember, Neil, that the HSC closed walk-in centres uh, on the 7th of September as the demand for tests was so high. Uh, a week previously, you need to remember that Stephen Donnelly told us that he was informed by Neffet that the cases would peak in mid-October. So they knew this was coming. So I can't see why they're acting like this is unexpected or concerning. Um, uh, you know, as in, well, very excellent point there, saying that they were expecting a peak in mid, mid-October, and it came. If the H, another one, if the HSC and the government are honest about us with uh, about vaccine reactions, it would make a huge difference. A lot of people have serious reactions to it, and nothing is being said about it. Uh, Neil, if you only pass on a weaker version of the virus, why is there a third in ICU fully vaccinated? Are you being serious? Well, I'm only trying to give you out the stats or the information as I get it, but that, that is a very valid question to ask. Uh, two-thirds in ICU are unvaccinated, but still a third are fully vaccinated. You're asking the question, what are they doing in ICU? Ask the unvaccinated callers if they will refuse treatment when they contract COVID. Uh, another one, why are you blaming the unvaccinated for the rise in hospitals? Well, simply I'm not. I'm just telling you what it's, what's happening news-wise and what the latest figures and stats are. I'm nobody's judge and jury. Uh, anyway, why are you blaming the unvaccinated for the rise in hospitals? I worked through the whole lockdown. So did my husband, unvaccinated, no problems. I now work in a school, unvaccinated, no problems. My husband is still working. I don't get it. It's so unfair what's been said. I suffer with thrombosis and I don't want to take the vaccines. I'm starting to feel bullied now by the news, radio, social media about the vaccines and I'm sick of it. It's tormenting. Uh, I'm not blaming you at all. I listened to the show since I was young, but I hope you let the unvaccinated talk. You can read this out if you like. Well, I let everybody talk if they have something to say. Uh, Morning, by your own admission, people have taken the vaccine just to go for a pint or to fly in an aircraft. 
they were dangled normality and they jumped at it after 18 months of hell. Yes, I, I believe that a lot of people did. Uh, who never would have looked at the vaccine, but they wanted the freedom to travel or to go indoors. I mean, what probably will happen next week is that they won't introduce any new restrictions, I believe, but they probably will continue to only allow people into restaurants and pubs, etc., who have a QR pass and a COVID cert. Uh, the rest will be outdoors. Uh, what about all the people who were advised by doctors and consultants not to take the vaccine? How unfair is it on them? Another one, I'm 30, got my second vaccine a few weeks back. Four days later, I found myself spending two weeks in the respiratory ward of the CUH with infections in my lungs and 10 of those days were spent on oxygen and nebulizers. They told me it wasn't due to the vaccine, but I believe it was. I'm all for vaccines, but the risks should be highlighted a bit more. Well, it's a little bit more than coincidence, isn't it? Uh, that uh, you got your second vaccine and four days later you're inside in two weeks inside the uh, CUH on a respirator. Morning, a group of us got the COVID last month. Five of us were unvaccinated. One had one shot. Two were double jabbed. None of us ended up in hospital. But do we not all have natural immunity? Uh, I just had body aches and was tired for three days. No cough. I personally think anyone who expects someone else to get vaccinated for them are selfish people. I will never put this into my body. I have a child to look after for many years to come. What happens to him if I took it and got a bad reaction long term? People need to have common sense. How could 10% of Ireland now be blamed for all the COVID infections? It's laughable. If you're afraid, then stay inside. If you're not, whether vaccinated or not, because it's your choice, then crack on with your life, says Morgan. And there are many more of those which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But I just want to return to a story that I mentioned earlier in the week, and that's the Foley family down in Middleton. You may have seen in the news or read on the news or seen in the newspapers or heard me telling you about the story of 11-year-old Alex, who has cerebral palsy, and his parents... His mam and his dad, Patrick and Lauren Foley, down in Middleton, took a case against the CUMH. And I was reading the reports on this. It was an 11-year battle. Uh, and it was finally settled this week when they received a payout from the HSC and the CUMH of just under 20 million. Now, every, and I was, I, was, I was actually blown away by how powerful his, uh, uh, Alex's mother was, Lauren, because she was saying that every last cent will be spent ensuring that Alex has the quality of life he deserves. But she also said, and she spoke about the length of the battle, uh, and also spoke uh, about his, his birth and his arrival, but said no amount of money would ever compensate Alex for his injury or give him back the life that he should have. And she joins me by phone. Lauren, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks so much for taking the call, um, because you must have had a whirlwind of a week, I'd say, have you? Yeah, it's. Uh, I suppose it's 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 a great relief, really, Neil, to have the whole process over now, you know, and, and not have to battle anymore, you know? I know, I know. And was it, it was a battle for, it's a battle from the day he was born, is it? Yeah, so Alex was born on the 5th of October 2010, so he had his birthday there um, last week. And yeah, like, I mean, he was, he was born in such a bad condition, really. Um, so for the first seven days, we didn't know whether Alex was going to survive or not. Um, it took the, the staff in the ICU nine minutes to revive him after he was born. Um, and everything, like basically all his organs and everything started shutting down. Oh my God. Um, and I, let me just say, because on, people may not know this, Alex is a twin to Jacob, isn't he? He is. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, bo- so both um, both the lads arrived, and Jacob was fine, was he? 
Jacob was fine. So the condition that I had, um, the vasoprivia, it's always the first twin that's affected by it. So Alex obviously was twin one. Um, right. So that's why Jacob then had no issues. How is How does that happen without getting too medical? Is it to do with oxygen or restrictions um, or something like that? Uh, so basically what happened, um, Neil, was when my waters were broken, um, the blood vessel was ruptured. Um, so basically Alex lost most of his blood, um, which obviously then caused him to have the brain damage. Oh dear, oh dear. And had yeah. you been warned of any, were you anticipating anything like that? No, we had absolutely no idea. I went into premature labour, putting it down to the fact that I had just a bad head cold. Yeah. Um, went into labour and, and went to the hospital and, and everything was fine um, until um, my waters were broken. Um, now, it, the midwife that broke my waters, it was completely not her fault. She was in as much shock as what I was because nobody knew about the condition, you know. So, so did, he go, did he go straight into uh, ICU or NEO or where? Did, yes, I, he, he, at the time, Alex was the sickest baby inside in, in the NICU, in the CUMH. Um, now, they were like the neonatal unit, you know, there are so many people out there so grateful to those people in there because what they do for those babies, uh, not only the babies, but for, you know, for the parents as well, like it's, it's amazing. I mean, people will have seen over the last few days um, the pictures of Alex hooked up to all of these I have one in front of me. He's got wires and cables and tubes you know, and that's, all. That's the way Alex was the first time we met him, you know, and it was it was just horrific, you know. Oh, my God. It must have been heartbreaking to look at him like that. Yeah, it was. It was awful, you know, and, and then we had the whole process of um, bringing Jacob home without him because I think they kind of... They held on to Jacob as long as they could to keep the boys together, you know. Um, And then, obviously, we had to bring Jacob home and leave Alex behind. And, you know, there was three other children at home. And it was was horrific. I mean, my mother-in-law was basically raising the other children at home because... My husband were travelling to the hospital every day, you know. Constantly beaten up and down the road. And when did you realise, when when you were aware of of his condition or the prognosis or, you know, what had happened? Well, I suppose, like, Alex was always behind um, reaching his milestones. Um, He started, he was admitted to Enable Ireland Services in February 2011. Um, And like that, you know, cerebral palsy is is an evolving diagnosis so you kind of have to monitor the child and what's going on so like Alex didn't sit up until he was 21 months Um, he was three and a half when he kind of took his first one or two steps you know so he he was basically delayed with everything in comparison to Jacob you know and did you did you believe that that's all he'd ever take is one or two steps we did really until we heard about the SDR surgery um, you had a fundraise for that, I believe, didn't you, for that surgery? We did. Yeah. Um, so we took Alex to St. Louis in Missouri to Dr. T.S. Park in July 2015 because Alex was nearly four at that time. And Dr. Park firmly believes that the younger the child has the surgery, you know, the better the outcome. Yeah. So we kind of lost two years because we were told here again by the HSE that it, it wouldn't work for Alex and that he wouldn't be a candidate. Um, but it was always in the back of our head so we said look let's just go and get him assessed and, and it did he, work he's a candidate 
and he's Alex is walking now 95% of the time Neil you know that's amazing because like gut instinct told you not to give up in spite of the medical opinions you just decided to give it a go well a lot of that is down to Alex Neil because on day 8 inside the CUMH like as I said Alex was the thickest baby inside there and whatever happened on day 8 he just turned the corner and it was like, no, I'm, I'm not leaving. This happened to me. And he fought so hard, Neil. And he's, he's such a determined little boy. He's, he's doing therapies nearly six days a week. And he never complains. He, you know, as I, I always say to people, you know, he, he teaches me something new nearly every day, Neil. Amazing. Because yeah. It's he's amazing. just amazing. He just, you know? he just had the power and strength. He's just a fighter. And when did you yeah. decide then that the HSC should be answerable for this? Um, well, I suppose um, after Alex was the day after Alex was born. Obviously, I was in hospital for six days because I was after having um, an emergency cesarean section. And when we were told about this condition, um, I suppose my husband basically went home and he googled it, um, like everybody does, I suppose. Yeah. And he's like he saw um, okay at the time. So obviously, one of the risk factors is that it's a twin pregnancy. Um, number two is that there's a low-lying placenta, which which I previously had during my pregnancy. And I also smoked at the time when I was pregnant with the twins, which was another um, risk factor. So basically, kind of we toed and froed and we gathered as much information on Vasopravia as we could. And then we said, look, you know, we're not going to be able to look after him no matter how good my husband's job is or no matter how hard we work the therapies and the equipment are just, they're just so expensive, yeah, you know, and yeah. we knew we weren't going to be able to do it. And I suppose at the end of the day, it wasn't our fault, Neil. It wasn't Alex's fault. Yeah, yeah. You know, so somebody had to be held accountable for it. Now, they denied the claims, didn't they? But I think there was, was there initially uh, just under two million offered, was it? Yes, so yeah. we we had our first, our case first came to court in December 2016 and we took an interim settlement because I suppose at the time we didn't know, you know, Alex was only just over a year after his surgery, we didn't know what way he was going to be, Yeah, you know, was there going to be more surgeries, which there is now because he's going back in May for more surgery. Yeah. So, um, you know, I suppose we, we didn't want to just take the lump sum payment back then and risk not him not getting what he needed, you know, for the rest of his life. And did you ever anticipate that it would be a sum like 20 million? Um, so to be honest, I didn't. Um, I suppose I never really sat down, you know, and, and calculated if, if he was to get all these therapies. I know the you did say life. that no amount of money would compensate for Alex for his injuries or his, his life quality going forward, but... It's 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 a life changing amount of money, isn't it? Well, I suppose it is. When, when when you hear the amount, you think, yeah, oh my god, you know that is an awful lot of money. But when you consider the amount of therapy that Alex does to just keep himself walking alone, you know, between his physio, between his strength and conditioning, you know, he does a couple of times a year. He does kind of like an intensive program because obviously growth spurts would be the main, um, I suppose, bad side effect with cerebral palsy. Like, they really, really affect him. And he's in he's in the thick of that now at the moment because he's 11, you know? Yeah. So, it, when it boils down to all that, and he's waiting on a new wheelchair now at the moment, and the wheelchair is coming in at just under 12,000. Oh, know, sure, and it's for, the rest of, it's for the rest of his life. And 
and, exactly. and all of the challenges that he will have and hopefully what will be a long life. Exactly, yeah. 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 Exactly. So it's it's not a large amount of money when you when you put it all down in paper and you see all of the things that he needs. Yes, yes. And and through all of that battle, year in, year out, for like the first from the first year of his birth, did you did you ever feel, God, we, we, we might lose this or, you know, could you have costs against you or were you, were you taking we a, did. yeah, was that yeah, must have led to sleepless so, nights? We were, our initial case, would you believe, was held on the 21st of December 2016. And like, obviously, you know, with five children in the house, Christmas is, you know, um, is a busy time and whatnot. And like, we had this big worry literally up until the day we got into the courtroom, you know, and, and until we heard that we had won the case, it was, like, it, it's sickening. It's stressful. Like, the effect, it's not only just myself, Patrick, and our five children, yeah. you know, it's our parents, our our siblings. It's everybody is affected, you know. Um, unfortunately, we lost my mum three years ago, and she was terrified, Neil. You know, she was saying, God, I hope you're doing the right thing. And I hope you don't you know, lose the house. I hope they don't take everything off you. I hope you don't have to, if you exactly, lose, you'll have to pay yeah. the legal cost. You're taking on the government. I know. I know. Exactly. Yeah. Know. Yeah. But we, we just knew, Neil, we knew for Alex, we, we had to do it. You know, there was no matter what it took. And we, we did. We, we had to borrow money. We had to borrow from the credit union to get reports and things done. But we just had to do it. And what was the what was the sensation or the feeling when you found that you had been successful? Is it relief, elation? Relief. Is it relief? Relief. Yeah. 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 Like I know Alex has four siblings, but at the end of the day, it's not their responsibility to look after him. If something were to happen to myself and my or my husband, you know, in the morning, so it's just the relief that knowing that no matter what, you know, like heaven forbid, if something were to happen to myself and my husband, and Alex wasn't. Um, you know, if he if he did if he hadn't won his case, God only knows what would happen to him, Neil. Because Forgot like about that. we yeah. all know about the state of the of the yeah. health services at the moment. You know what I mean? And it's just a relief to know that he doesn't have to battle that anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've got about that. Yeah. Listen, I hope you have. Um, I'm sure that you've always had happy Christmases, but I'm quite sure that you know the lead into this Christmas will be a happier thing. You've got lots of exciting things to look forward to without this worry that you've had for the last eleven years. That's that's got to exactly. be a nice feeling, yeah. It is, and I mean, Alex, like, sure, God, he Christmas, you know what I mean? It it, it means <laughs> everything to him. He'd have the house decorated from from top to toe. He got away with it, you know. He's <laughs> be given orders totally over the top with all those things, you know. I know, I know. Well, listen, I'm delighted that we got an opportunity to chat and catch up with you, and wish you and the family well. You and all Thanks of the so kids, much, and Neil. indeed, let's not forget Patrick as well, because he's the other half of the battle. Yourself and Patrick, exactly, so well done to exactly, both. yeah, yeah. Okay, Lauren, thanks for taking the call. All the best. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 Lovely lady. That's uh, Lauren Foley, um, wife of Patrick, mother of um, Alex, and indeed, let's not forget his twin brother, Jacob. Back after the break, 1-850-104-106. Talk to Neil Prinderville now. 1851-04106. Red.
FM. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. Some more shout-outs. Everybody listening at Northside Tires on the Old Mallow Road, AP Vaughan Recycling and Tower, Bunskull Creast Re and Turnus Cross to the guard set and all of the staff in the Garda Station at Clonakilty Garda Station. Morning, Linda. Healy's Bread Distribution, Mayfield Business Park. Oh, they make lovely crusty bread. KCFB Blackpool would devour pizza. Morning, D. Donovan Auto Services in Upper Glanmar. HSE on Adelaide Street, Daft Trucks. Everybody at Canovy National School. Morning to Linda. To HSS Hire in Tivoli. Smurfit Kappa are listening in Toker. Hennessy Hair and Beauty on Pembroke Street. Flex on Dublin Hill. Doug and Steel. Morning to Bill in Bandon. Joe Malone's team in uh, Brown Thomas. Bandon Golf Course. Uh, keeping the course in top condition. Animal Care Hospital in Douglas. Red Abbey Motors in Ballycoreen. Daily Industrial Supplies. The delivery drivers for Tesco and Maham Point. Little Island Dental Surgery. Leisure World in Churchfield. Uh, DMB Electrical in the Lock. And finally, Merck Quality Team in Carrick Tool. All listening. We'll do some more shout outs again in about a half an hour's time. So text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. I love giving out the odd request. And I got one this morning saying, Would it be possible to wish my grandson, Aaron Dunley O'Brien, the very best of luck today in opening his pet shop in Ballyvalan? It's called Dobbs Pets and Exotics. Kind regards. I'm not quite sure who it's from, but I was just about to read that out and I said, um, hang on a second. Why, why don't we just give Dobbs a ring and see how the new pet shop is going from? So we jo- he joins me by phone, Aaron Dunley. Aaron, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? This has got to be better than a request, a chat, I hope. So, when, yeah, yeah. Best of luck today. Did you open this morning? Yeah, we opened at 10 o'clock this morning. We opened our doors for the first time, yeah. And where are you? Uh, we're up in Chapelgate Shopping Centre in Ballyvlan. It's where the old daybreak was on the Glen Heights Road. All right, okay. Yeah, um, and they're yeah. telling me that you, when you were growing up, the entire house would have been full of pets. Is that right? It was, yeah. Uh, since my communion, I got my first lizard, and from there I got really into the animals. We actually had a full room dedicated to all my pets down in Passage. Yeah. Well, like the front room, is it? Uh, a spare bedroom upstairs, the box room. It was turned into a kind of a, a mini zoo, really. So what had you in that spare box room? I had lizards, snakes, tortoises, we had parrots, budgies, I had out the back, I had rabbits and guinea pigs <laughs> and a big aviary with canaries and finches. <laughs> you yeah. managed, you managed yeah. to keep them all alive, did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you work out who you fed and who you forgot to feed, like? Um, so I kind of have a list and I still do it to this day everything is written down and I make sure I go through everything one by one and tick <laughs> off as I go just to make sure everyone's gotten done we've got a single tart we've got a single um, goldfish at home and it's always constant battles because everybody forgets to feed them <laughs> <laughs> I suppose when you've this much it's, it's, it's a bigger chore I suppose All right. so when did you decide then to make the jump from 30, pe- 30 pets in the box room to opening your own shop well, kind of the last three or four years, I've gotten really into keeping the animals, and it was I always wanted to know to I always knew I wanted to do something job wise, either a zookeeper or a vet or something. And kind of about six months ago, I decided I'd take the leap to open the pet shop just to be able to give kids and adults alike the same feeling I got getting my first pet. Okay, so let me re- rewind again. Did you keep any snakes or turtles in the house? Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, I, no, yeah. never mind the turtles; they're harmless. Say tarantulas, for instance. Um, so I've never kept tarantulas myself. Uh, I have some up in the shop at the moment, but they, they wouldn't be my cup of tea to be keeping at home. Yeah, yeah. Snakes? Do you have them knocking around the... Yeah, lose yeah, a, lose a snake under the sofa or anything? Uh, once or twice there's been a few escapees, all right. 
<laughs> All right, so yeah. you opened this morning, and what have you opened got? I can, morning, can, what can I hear there? Can I hear little budgies, is it? Yeah, we've got budgies and lovebirds. We've got lizards, snakes, tortoises. We've got fish, axolotls, hamsters, rabbits, guinea pigs, gerbils. <laughs> we have something for everyone. <laughs> snakes, yeah. I mean, like big snakes, is it? Uh, so the snakes we have at the moment, they're all small enough size just for people getting their first snake or so. It's a bit more manageable, but they'll get, they'll get bigger eventually. Most of them will reach about five foot in length. What do they do with a five foot snake? Like, is it in a cage or what do they do? Yeah, with? yeah, you get, you get glass terrariums for them and you can design them with different plants and bark and trees and twigs and they'll, they'll use the full space cruising around exploring. I know I'm going to regret this, but what do people feed snakes? Um, so you feed them frozen mice or rats, depending on the size of the snake. Yeah, yeah. I worked with a buddy once, and he had a snake, Mort Mullen, years ago. He would buy the frozen. He would buy the frozen mice or mices and keep them in a fridge. Yeah, yeah. So you have to keep them frozen in the freezer, just like our own food, just to make sure they don't go off from being out and defrosted. Oh God. Yeah, and the yeah. tarantulas. What do they eat? Uh, they eat crickets and worms, so they're a slightly more manageable than the snakes feeding wise. And do you have any particular favourite? Um, so we've got a lizard up here. It's called a frittle dragon, and I'm after taking a fair shine to him. He's got great character. <laughs> Has he got a personality? Like he does. Yeah, yeah. Each they all have their own different personalities depending on the type of lizard, and each individual is different as well. Uh, like as in, they're kind of. They like a bit of petting or comfort or a cuddle, is it? Uh, not as much comfort, but like even now at home, when I walk into the room, all, all the animals kind of park up. They know that I'm there. They follow me around the room waiting for food. They all just have slightly small personalities. Nothing now as major as a dog or a cat would have. But well, fair play to you, boy. You followed yeah. your dream. It all started with your Holy Communion money or something, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. First lizard for the communion. So they call you Dobbs, is it? Dob, yeah, that's it, yeah. And that's what you've called uh, the pet shop. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Well yeah. done. Open, Abbreviation of my second name. Open for business. Correct, it is, open yeah. For business. Open for business today yeah. at uh, Chapelgate Shopping Centre in Ballyvalan. I just said I'd give you a bell to wish you well. I'm delighted for you. It's great to hear a business that's is brilliant. open. It was your granny got in touch with me, incidentally. It was. Yeah, it was, yeah. So they're all very mm-hmm. proud of you. All right, look after Thanks yourself, Aaron. And more importantly, very much, Neil. I appreciate after all it. Those pets. Cheers, pal. Cheers. Take care. Thank you. All, all right. right, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. It's always good to give people the nod when they've opened a new business, and that one is right out there, isn't it? A pet shop with all of those wonderful, wonderful pets. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Um, just uh, with regards to yesterday's program, my sister got her first dose of the Pfizer vaccine after much hesitation seven weeks ago. She's not had a menstru- menstruation cycle since. Luckily, she has finished having children. But I would be worried for couples trying to conceive and suffering these kind of side effects. Would people stop bashing the non-vaccinated? What happened to people's choice? And just one or two more in relation to the COVID numbers. You keep repeating how many people are unvaccinated. Yet the science is showing that vaccinated people are still getting and carrying COVID and are just as sick as unvaccinated. Now we're being told that with each month that passes, your vaccine is getting less and less effective. Vaccines do not keep you safe from COVID. I know people that got very sick with COVID that are double vaccinated. I know it's still a clinical trial. It isn't protecting anyone.
stop making out like unvaccinated people are to blame for the rise when vaccinated people are the folks that can roam freely and still get it and still carry it. Yes, they can still get it. Yes, they still can carry it. And yes, vaccinated people can pass it on. You are right there. But I think you're kind of glazing over a couple of facts here that you don't choose to hone in on in the sense that, you know, you, you, with regards to a double vaccinated person getting COVID, the difference is that they hope that it will keep you out of hospital and keep you out of ICU. Um, a lot of other ones. You're an absolute disgrace spreading this fear, hate and division. Uh, the vaccine is on trial to 23. I'm educated. I'm full time. I'm a hard worker. I'm paying a mortgage bills and I'm not selfish or ignorant. Uh, I do not get my info from social media. If 50% of those vaccinated get COVID, does it mean that if I get vaccinated, it's a 50-50 chance I'll still get it? So what's the difference if I don't get vaccinated? I still get sick in a 50% chance. Um, I won't read out the whole text because there's a lot of percentages and different 50-50s and things like that. The idea is that if you get it, you'll have a 50% chance maybe of not ending up in hospital or ICU or dying, I suppose. But I didn't call anybody uneducated I didn't call anybody. Um, this was callers on the on the air saying selfish, ignorant, uneducated. I'm not. I'm not saying that for a moment. I'm all about choice. But one wonders what what, what is the story with choice? If you're unvaccinated, you come across somebody who's very very old, or you're up close with them, you shake hands with them, or you give them a hug, and they have underlying health conditions. If 50% in hospital are unvaccinated, then the other 50% are vaccinated. What does that say about the vaccine, says Steve? Well, you probably noticed one thing. I'm reading out quite a lot of texts from people who are unvaccinated and allowing them to have their say. Uh, COVID isn't holding the country to ransom. The government are. Get real. The person who thinks the unvaccinated are ignorant should come on your show and debate the vaccine with a professional who does not believe in it. Uh, and there are many, many thousands of those. You are propagating government and pharmaceutical propaganda, says Tim, by text to 0868104106. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now, 0868104106. Red FM. Uh, with regards to all of the different issues in the budget, Neil, they put up the fags, the petrol and the diesel from midnight on Monday, and then the fiver increase in the fuel allowance was meant to hit Tuesday. But I contacted the Department of Social Welfare as the increase increase wasn't paid out and they have told me it will be another few weeks before the increase is paid out. So they really pick and choose when they put things up. They put the tax up straight away, of course, but the things that you're entitled to or they want to give you, there's always a delay. I don't know if you heard uh, Richard uh, Donoghue, the Limerick t- Independent TD, he stood up in the doll after the budget because uh, he was talking about fuel, the cost of petrol, cost of diesel. Uh, have a listen to this. My name is Richard Donoghue. I'm an independent and I represent Limerick County. It's past the Red Cow. You're quite welcome anytime you want to visit us. I just want to give people for the record, in case they don't understand what carbon tax means for a person living in the county. For every 100 euros of fuel that's manufactured, that's from the manufacturer, the manufacturer gets in petrol now uh, 39 euros and 92 cents. The local shopkeeper gets, for 100 euros of fuel in your tank, gets 3 euros and 8 cents. And let's guess this, the government that have nothing to do with manufacturing or nothing to do with putting it into the cars get a whopping 57 euros out of every 100 euros of petrol that goes into every person in Ireland's car. The rural person 
is burning twice the amount of fuel at a minimum compared to a city person. Where does the government spend the rural money? In city projects to bring in infrastructure for the cities. You often hear people saying, oh, the shopkeeper's robbing us for fuel. The shopkeeper is not robbing us for fuel. You are. The government. You're the most robbing, thieving people, and you're so anti-rural. You say you give to the vulnerable. You give them one hand, and you take them back double on the other side. I'd say they love him in the county Limerick these days. 57 euro out of every 100 euro worth of diesel or petrol, the government takes it. The shopkeeper gets 3 euro, the government gets 57. And they're increasing it again. What am I talking about increasing it again? Like in, in any given week, you'd find petrol and diesel going up three or four times a week. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. A nurse emailed me. She says, I've been contemplating this email for the last few days as I have hit an all-time low in my workplace as a healthcare assistant. I speak for nurses also when I say we are all just a number. We are treated very poorly and I am sick of it. The poor behavior is coming from all of the top managers. My own is great, so I'm lucky, but above them, the management is horrible to us. I've seen nurses crying over being sent to certain wards. I've seen good nurses leave the HSC, all because management would rather see a good nurse leave than give them the ward that they want to specialise in. And this has happened with a lot of nurses. I won't be staying here much longer, as I hate going into work at the moment. People wonder why so many nurses want to leave, and from my experience, it's because of management. They have the mentality that nurses should not have an option and we're looked down on if we do ask for options. Don't give them my details. Can't come on air. They'll know it's me. On restrictions, it seems now that the COVID restrictions will not be fully lifted as planned next Friday. Ireland has the highest vaccination rates in Europe, but still has the toughest restrictions. The rest of Europe has fully reopened with much lower vaccination rates. Northern Ireland has much higher COVID and hospitalization rates than us in the Republic and less vaccination rates. And they still plan to remove final restrictions this month. England removed their restrictions three months ago. If Ireland doesn't reopen next week, then when will we ever reopen? Uh, Will there be ever a perfect time? Uh, Surely the country can't vaccinate more than it already has, 90% of people. In regards to this trial vaccine, which has uh, from the start been a disaster, pushing out figures of a 92% vaccine rollout uh, is wrong. They shouldn't be blaming the unvaccinated for the hospital admissions. I worked straight through this so-called pandemic, as did my partner, and we are proud to trust our own immune system, which has been keeping humans safe for thousands of years. Pushing out a vaccine time and time again, now a booster in as little as nine months, is laughable, to be honest. The HSAE figures can't be trusted on any level, nor can the advice from Neffet. Have a look at Kerry and Waterford figures. They have the highest COVID vaccine rate, but show the highest infection rates. I wonder why. Maybe it's the vaccine that's causing it. The government has systematically created a two-tier society, us against them. Remember last year, we were spun to the tune of, we're all in this together rubbish. The whole island was unvaccinated last year, and we all just got on with life. Um, What has changed? Well, I don't know about that. Did we just get on with life? There were unreal restrictions last year. I have grown to hate this country as a result. Every new strain is weaker than the other. 
So they tell us new variants are coming. I'm just sick of it. Um, so that's just a selection of literally reams and reams of texts and emails on the past couple of days. And I will come back to hopefully more of those between now and midday and touch on some of them on Monday. But lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Remember, uh, you also listen out today for a pass to get yourself skating uh, down in Fota, literally skating through the woodlands of Fota. Um, courtesy of the Alpine Skate Trail that opens there on November 12th. So you're listening out for this little piece of audio, right? And I'll open the phone line sometimes between, sometime between now and midday. But talking about skating, not skating through the woods, but skating up to the altar. Well, kind of skating up to the altar. Bernice is getting married after 35 years of engagement. Now, if you don't remember Bernice... We had such a laugh back in December. The second week of December, uh, Bernice was on the air because she was sending, <laughs> she was sending a Christmas hamper to Australia. But it wasn't any just kind of small little pokey little Christmas hamper. I mean, this one went on and on and on forever. The stuff she was sending to Australia. This is another parcel, but this one going to Australia. I sent her inspection boxes, jelly tots, Toblerones, brown sauce, ketchup. <laughs> Time, one in the jar, so I emptied out into a bit of tinfoil. You put the time into the jeans to save on the yeah. postage. We were down first, and it was 15 kg. They said, no way could I send that. For God's sake, this is no end to what you put into this box. Underwear, them, the sorties. Stop. Nail varnish with a small one for a makeup thing. Bowls for her hair. She long hair. And dinkies, other little characters of Kiki's Christmas. <laughs> Stop, yeah. I actually taped um, <laughs> on the back of the boxes, and I got the small little dinkies in, milky bars. I actually said it then onto the back of the bag. Thank you. Milky bar, milky bars taped to the dinkies. Anything else? Oh, my, Monster Munch. <laughs> she likes them. I said potato snacks. How many, how many packets, how many packets of cheese and onion did you put into it? She's 24. <laughs> You're making this up. Street. What? And rose, quality sweets and roses. They're inside plastic bags. Some hope they won't melt them going over. You're in the Guinness Book of Records stuff here, you know. Oh, I swear to God, I can keep going most. <laughs> Bernice Good morning Every time I listen to that I think to myself How did she even remember All of the things She put in the hamper And it was more than that I don't believe me We started again For this year's one (laughs) You're starting again Are you starting now Is it today This week This weekend I'd say no, probably. I'd have to, I know, where do I know? We have to start up the way, do you know, for <laughs> All right, anyway, that's the Bernice I was talking about, lads, who after how many years together? 35 years. He's finally popped the question, has he? He did, by Well, to be honest, only people are asking me that all off to me, or you, me and you, because it's so long since I've been on the radio. <laughs> they said, was well, so, it all off between you and me? It's all off, yeah. No, said, we never. don't hear you anymore. No, 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 it's never off. I want to know all about the next hamper going to Australia. But right oh, now, I want to know about the romantic proposal. What's his name, anyway? Brendan Mangan. Brendan Mangan finally did the decent thing. How did it happen? I'll tell you, no, he's actually, he was 71 yesterday. <laughs> and he got COVID in August. No, he was very, very sick. Was he? He was, no, really. But I'd say it was the high temperature. Because we were inside the room and we started talking about the wedding. I think we should get married. He said so that, I think we should get married, just like that. Just like that. So I gave another two pounds each to get down the temperature. <laughs> he thought it might have been a raging temperature. <laughs> it was a very high temperature, but it worked anyway, Neil. So we're going to head in three weeks' time. So do you think it was the COVID made him propose to you? 
I think it was. I think he was getting worried. <laughs> but I was worried about him. No, he wouldn't need because he was very ill. Oh, well, on a oh. serious level, he was ill. But is he better now? Oh, he's, I tell you, he's better than me, Neva, to be honest. And has he, he ch- he's not getting any kind of doubts or wants to change his mind now that the temperature's gone no, down? He brought me down, he got me no engagement ring. Where'd you go? Down the North Main Street, is it? Down the North Main Street, down to the North Main Street, boy, and in he went, but he was red in the face. Red in the face. <laughs> so she, and he done it again in the front of the garden, North Main Street. Why was he embarrassed? Because he's 72 getting married, is it? He's only seventy one yesterday. Seventy one. Seventy one he why, was yesterday. Why in the thirty five years didn't you propose if he was if he was slacking? Do you know if he was slacking only we weren't ready. <laughs> we weren't ready. We weren't ready. You didn't know one of the way to say that you know each other, other well enough. <laughs> we still live in the young life. You didn't know each, each other well enough after 35 years. Eight we, kids, we well 14 grandkids and two great-grandkids later. <laughs> yeah, so they all came first and then, so we're on our own now. Well, we're not really, we have a, a, grand, a grandchild of us. So, pop the question, so we're off doing it now, Neil. Okay, so that's when's the, the big day years. and tell me what that's going to be like? It's going three weeks now from today. There's four of us going to the church. Brendan myself, Marion, which is 67, she's going to be the bridesmaid, <laughs> and Jerry Shine was 70 in September, and he's going to be the best man. Okay. What church? Is it the North Chapel or something? Or Lady of Crown in Mayfield. Okay. Okay. But and the uh, plan is only... Have you got a dress and a veil and everything? No, no, that's another story, no. <laughs> I had no intentions of getting a dress whatsoever, because I just couldn't get, you know, dress your clothes. You know, I'm 60, like... And one of my nieces phoned, and that's we were allowed to go to Vows. Browns? Thinking Vows of Vows. Okay. Vows. But they're allowed to go to Barney, and her own daughter's getting married, so I thought she wanted me to go. That was the reason she was asking me. And I said, I said, why are you even out there? She said, for a wedding dress. And I said, it'll be my wedding. So I went out, and my sister Marion and Betty were there. And we went in, and they kind of looked at each other. The clothes out from Mother of the Bride. That's yeah. Actually, I was kind of looking at those. I was saying, you know, something like that. No, because today I get married. I just put me in this beautiful dress, this beautiful need, and I was home. And I put her on. And I did like about a lot. Then again, I put on two more, but nah, that wasn't very nice. I do kind of like me bling, like. Say yes uh, to the dress. <laughs> yeah, so I did. And the two girls and my niece, and the veil, put her on me, and they paid for the loss. You're joking me. I'm not joking, yeah. I'm I'd say joking. that was their plan all the time, I'd say, Bernice. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I was actually at work, and I was in a busless cart in Co Foundation. Yeah. And actually, I wasn't even dressed up me, to be honest. I met some the bus driver, but me straight off and dropped me over bones, and then I went... But you just fell in love with the wedding dress. It wasn't I your intention to, but well, it just... No, I tell you, know, I had no intentions of wearing a wedding dress. Oh, that's Absolutely. great. Well, I'm delighted that you went for it and well done to them for setting it up like that. Yeah, it's worth the God now. And it's beautiful, beautiful. Okay. All right. So you'll be in, uh, you'll be all in white in the wedding dress with the veil. Uh, or lady. Of cream, I'd say, no need to Oh, okay. Very nice. No, but there's a little bit of bling, like. A little you know? bit of bling. She likes her bling, lads. Okay. I do like me bling, and, I do. And I hear then you're going off to, uh, where are you going for the, are you having a reception? We're having a reception the local bar in Mayfield. Which one? The Cow Bar. Okay. So what do you have? Well, that's no means at the moment. I have to get a few prices. I don't know when they have food, 
chipper food in we have it. <laughs> I love it. I'd love, I'd love I a wedding with chipper food. I don't want to be chipper now. We've got a few names of chippers there now. That's you mean Murphy's in Blackpool, is it? Blarnishly, they're not awfully up in Blarnishly, they're nice food. I think of, you know something, like you get fed up with the turkey and ham or the beef or salmon, sure, wouldn't you? You would. Be sick of pies now and the batter sausages. A couple of potato pies, batter sausage, fish and chips, bring it on. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be gorgeous. It's going to be a great day. When is it? Um, the 5th of November, and it's at 5 o'clock, so it's a grand time, Neil. You must be very excited. Any uh, any honeymoon planned or anything? Nothing, by We'll be coming home after the cold bar, back to the house. He's feeling himself. I heard that you have him chained to the bed at the moment, is it? So he doesn't run away, is that? I have handcuffs on to him at this stage. Leave <laughs> me now. I have handcuffs are on him now, just in case, me. <laughs> I think it's a great just story. Just in case, just in case, now. <laughs> and then there's a DJ in the cold. And he'd be doing all the sixties and seven years. Oh, you gotta, you gotta play! You gotta play your own music. For God's sake, of course you do. From half six at now. And tell me this: Has he got a suit and everything now? Have you looked after him? Oh, he's been looked after now. Believe me, he's been looked after. Well done. Well done. He was going to go into it. Uh, we were the plan was to rent out his suit himself and Jerry Shane, the best man. But his daughter is going to buy him a suit. And this is a beautiful. Oh, that's lovely. Everybody joins yeah, everybody else. Yeah. I wonder could we find anybody uh, who was longer than you waiting, you know, over 35 years. He's 71, you're 60 and eventually getting around to it. Li- life, just caught, life just got too busy, I suppose. It, and you know, Neil, with all that's going on, it's not a happy thing now. It's not very happy. Oh, that's fantastic. Every time I talk to you, it's about happy things. I can't wait, I can't wait for the next hamper. You'll, you'll have to find some was, time. Do you know, no, Neil, I was thinking of going to ring a bell, actually, for the honeymoon. You were thinking of what? Going to ring a bell, <laughs> Why? Do you know, ring a bell years ago, the old cornflakes and stuff like. <laughs> the cornflakes? Yeah, that's you get cornflakes me when you were younger. Well, Brendan, Brendan went to ring a bell when he was younger, I didn't. Is, is ring a bell a good place to go on honeymoon, do you think? Well, it was a good place when you couldn't go on a holiday when you were young. That's right. You see the ring a bell or y'all, I suppose. <laughs> so it's actually hard not to do now. Oh, Naka Dune is gorgeous. Yeah, so that's uh, where he actually got his first holiday. Naka so. Dune is one of the most beautiful places. Listen, before I let you go, uh, Pat Sheehan is on five. Pat, good morning. Morning, Neil, you? I'm good, my man, I'm good. Did you want to um, Did you want to pitch in on Bernice's wedding? Yeah, if you haven't got a wedding car, I'll supply the wedding car for have you got? Have you got a vintage car or something, they tell me? Yeah, a friend of mine have a vintage car down in 1956, pull up mainliner. A Ford mainliner? Yeah. Oh, my Is God. Wow. Thanks very much. She's on my seat tonight. I've actually... Thanks very much. We're actually going to use my brother's car to be honest. There's no need for that. Jesus. We got you a vintage wedding car. Well, a car that's a vintage car that they use for weddings to take you wherever you need to go. Pat, thank you so much for that. Thanks very no much, problem. Pat. Jeez, you're a star. Thanks, Pat. Jesus, I'm amazing tonight. Great story, isn't it, Pat? There's a great story. I know Brendan and, uh, and Donnie's very well. Oh, do you? Well, well done. Yeah, I do, yeah. I do, yeah. Okay, so this yeah. is like a, a 50s car, is it? 1956 Ford, man. I mean, oh, yeah. Stunning looking thing, I'd say. Stunning car, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Is, you... is it used for weddings or always, Pat? It is? I don't know. I've been a wedding one, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a strange way to have it here, and uh, I've used it here, so. 
Doesn't Fair, play to. Care, like. Fair play to you. So are you free on, uh, I think it's the 5th of November? 5th. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, they're beautiful. I see, uh, they've got a photograph up here of the Ford Mainline. They're the ones that you might see, they'd be fairly rough conditions, the one you see in Cuba, but it's that kind of a car, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of um, a car that you've seen in a Bugsy Malone film. And a Bugsy Malone film, yes. Oh, I love God. it. Thanks, Pat. The Jeez. excitement is building Pat, for Bernie's. Well done. Thank you. Appreciate Jeez, it. Jesus, that's fantastic. Cheers, good. Take care. Just one fast Jeez. one here. Frank. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, my man. Um, so you also <laughs> have a fairly long engagement, do you? So, yes, me as Margaret, I suppose. In June the 30th, 1985. That's 36 years. That's right, yeah. And still st- together and ne- never took the plunge. But did you get ring? Did you get, did you get rings back in 1985, an engagement ring? Yeah, we did. Uh, 107 pounds in Grafton Street in Dublin. I was living in Dublin at the time working. And she was down here in Cork and <laughs> sure, she, she, she knew nothing about it. And uh, <laughs> oh, sure, those were the days, like those were the days, is right. But that was thirty six years ago. Why didn't you? You're supposed to follow on with the wedding after a year or two, you know. Um, you you kind of are, but <laughs> it's funny enough story. You know, the lo- we had planned a date and everything, and went to the local priest in Farnery, <laughs> and the local priest advised us: do not, under any circumstances, get married because your payments will have. What payments? Because herself was was pregnant <laughs> and had, had had the baby the following year when we decided to get married <laughs> and you had the single parents payment and I had my payments <laughs> and, and the priest, his name, he was actually next neighbour of mine, a fellow with name of Dennis Fitzpatrick, was the local priest and... He advised us not to, under any circumstances, get married. A priest told you don't get married. Yeah. Because your welfare payments would drop. Exactly. Exactly. And 36 Uh, years later, you're still living to that rule, are you? Oh, without a doubt. You know, there's there's no chance. No, I think, like, you know. Okay. Maybe maybe you're the smart one. Well, the only thing I'll be saying, though, Bernice's story was lovely, and I actually know Bernice and Brendan through... She'd remember that I'd say the the other pub in Mayfield, um, Spring Hill House. We used to play with, I used to play with a band and we used to play there all the time and they were they were great people. But you were talking about the honeymoon Neil. So is it your intention not to get married then? Absolutely. Ever? Oh no, not God no. why like? I mean all it is is a slip of paper. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, what are you gonna do with the engagement rings? Oh, I think she lost them years ago. <laughs> she lost it off her <laughs> finger, is it? She probably did. I said, I have not clue. I don't even look at her fingers now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So you you didn't get married for tax reasons. <laughs> yeah. Social welfare reasons. Social welfare reasons. But you before you go, Neil, if Bernie, Bernice is looking for a honeymoon, isn't there a lovely house in Port McGee that she could have for a few days? There is. I know the fellow who owns it. I'd have a word with him for her. <laughs> Take care. Brendan. Cheers, Brendan. You know, Patrina's after giving us. <laughs> 
You still there, Bernice? I am. Okay, I am. Hold, hold on there a second. I sort up my phone lines here. I think I got Janice on, uh, on. No, she's not there. No, I'll come back after the break. Hold on there. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. So that's where we're at, Bernice. Listen, Janice from Bespoke Weddings wants to know, do you need anybody to perform the ceremony? She's a wedding celebrant. Are you sorted for that? I'm actually sorted, Neil. Have yeah. you got a, what have you got? A priest, is it? Yeah, well, you pay the register. We have to pay the average stuff. 200 euro. Well, but you have to listen. Listen, that's only the start well, of it. After you, after you get married, you're just paying for everything. That's it, bye. That's it, bye. Well, you priest, might be better... You might be, the priest is going to marry. You might be better off never getting married for tax reasons. <laughs> no, no, Neil. You don't know. We're after waiting so long, no need. This is going to be it. It's okay. going to happen. All right. Any chance of any chance of a phone? Is it a, is it during the week? It's a Friday, is it, or what day is it? Friday, Friday, five o'clock. Okay. Well, any chance of a quick chat on the Friday morning, just on the day of the wedding? Say, I was going for you. Oh, I will. Do no has to buy. Okay. And if no, you have any, if you have any updates at all on the parcel or the hamper, or the or the oh, shipping container, the shipping know. container that you're sending to Australia. Oh, Jesus, I thought that out. Oh, no, need to be honest. Okay. I mean, do you know something to the she can't come home, so that's going to be heartbreaking. I know, I know. Why can't, why can't she come home? Because of uh, quarantining and not being able to get back right, in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and every son in England, he can't come home for reasons. Does but he get any hamper? Well, do you know something? He don't because he'd get all the stuff over that she wouldn't get in Australia. Ah, that poor misfortune. You want to send him something like... So I do know I've been in my life. You've Christmas. You might. My God, it's good. There's a lady called Maggie you know McCormick. Wants to know. Maggie McCormick wants to do your wedding party flowers. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Sorry. So we, so we got you the transport sorted and we got you the flowers sorted. You're okay for a priest? Yes. Yeah. Right. Jesus. And And Joe from Joseph's Hair Salon out Lachine also wants to do your hair. Oh, my God. That'd be lovely. You're going to look a million dollars. Jesus, I want to book me hair out there. You hadn't thought about your hair, had you? No? Okay, she's gone. No? Well, I missed you there, what'd you say? I said I would have booked it, coming up to it for my, for my own hair, just like. Sorted for you now. Oh, my God. That's excellent. Jesus, I'm nice. You should get married. You should get married more often, Bernice. I should. And do you know something I need? Do you know, I'd love to be there now, actually. My sister, Polly, from 40, she passed away at the age of 49. Oh, she did eight years now. Eight years. <laughs> do you know, that is upsetting me, right? I know. On your big day, you will be, you will have a special place in your heart for her on your big day. Well, maybe I will. Well, I'd say she, I'd say if she's, if she's watching or looking down on you, as I'm sure she is, she's probably saying, it's about time. Yes. She's a <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, listen, I'm delighted. This is great news. Congratulations to you both, to you and to Brendan. And we'll chat in the morning of your wedding, all right? All right, so, and then she said, oh, no, I get up me food, me food hamper, and yep. me chipper for the cows, and then I said, oh, that one too. That sounds great. I would love a wedding, I would love a wedding with chipper food, yeah. Look, pile up to the cow now for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you watch. Well, you can be paid by. <laughs> don't no, tempt me. Don't, don't tempt me. If there's potato pies or cheesy potato pies, I'll be there. Oh, wait, they'll be there. Believe me. No matter what we go for, they're going to be there. That's what we're going for. All right. I talk. I'll talk to you on that Friday in November. Then we'll see what happens. All right. And Brendan, say thanks very much. You sit there. I'm sorry. We would take a word with him. <laughs> I have a quick word with him, though. Quick word. <laughs>
Hello. Brendan. How are you, bye? No regrets now, is there, since the um, since the temperature went back down, no? No, no, we're all grand by. I'll happy out. Looking forward to the event. Why in the name of God it took you two so long, I have no idea. Yeah, but so listen, you know, she's, she, she, she'll wear you down. She, that's why you're going to be Did she wear you down? <laughs> she does, she does. All right, well, listen, we're delighted for both of you. Um, a lot of good things happening since. we got the car sorted, we have the flowers sorted, we have her hair done. You can go down oh. to the Baldy Barbara. Have you hair on your head? Not, not a lot, not a lot. <laughs> Low maintenance then. <laughs> no, no, I'll never call. Exactly, exactly. All yeah. right, but you have a lot to look forward to. Thanks I for taking the call, Brendan. Mind yourself. All Cheers. Right, bye. Bye-bye. All bye-bye. the best. Take bye-bye. care. It's <laughs> a great story. We've got Free Food Friday shout-outs next. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. All right, Free Food Friday shout-outs for the final time to everybody at Little Island Transport in Tivoli, Cork Cleaning Solutions in Monogorny, Fleming's Pharmacy on the Douglas Road, Glenline Fitted Furniture on Ballyvalan, Joe's Edge Hair Salon in Blarney, Murphy Transport on the Ballinock Road, Euro Car Parts, Breast Check Clinic on the Infirmary Road, the Department of Transport on the Centre Park Road, Gate Childcare in Little Island, Unified Packaging in Carrick Tool. Morning to everybody at Sunbeam Bingo, Feelings Pharmacy in Blackrock Hall, and the Architectural and Metal Systems Limited in Little Island. Morning to Selena. They're all listening. We'll pick a winner for Free Food Friday in a few minutes' time, courtesy of ourselves, and Oak Fire Pizza, and away we go. And the pass for the Alpine Skate Trail as well. You can literally skate your way through the woodlands at Fota from the middle of November. Lines are open for all of the business, one 850 Can I just say, um, I got a lot of texts in yesterday on different topics of conversation, amongst them, of course, people that were... Um, you know, jumping in with regards to the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And a lot of criticism of me. You're an utter disgrace to cut the man, Noel, the virologist, off because it did not suit the narrative. I can't come on air, but I'll spread the word to boycott you. It's disgusting. Just a couple of points on that. You're entitled to your opinion on it. I have no issue with that, and I have no problem at all being criticised. I'm not 100% sure that Noel was a virologist, but on two occasions he called somebody a terrorist, and I asked him the second time, please don't say that again, and he called him a terrorist again. And on that basis, after the first time, I said, if you use the word terrorist again, in this context, I won't be able to continue with the conversation. He said it again, and at that point, I had to end the conversation. What part of that you don't agree with, I don't know. But if you don't agree, then there's no point talking to you. Um, but it's okay to say, get on with your lives. I wonder would the guy um, uh, be talking on air as an unvaccinated person if his mother and father died from the virus? That's why the virus is on the increase again, because of the ignorant Uh, The only thing the vaccine is doing now is dividing people. It's happening right now on your radio show, says Rose in Middleton. And the biggest worry is if there's one third in ICU fully vaccinated after being told the vaccine would stop severe illness, why is there a third in ICU fully vaccinated? Stop blaming the unvaccinated people. It's untrue and no science supporting the claim. We can see clearly the vaccine isn't working and we just have to live with it. It has mostly burned out anyway because a lot of people had the virus and we built up immunity against it. So I'm trying to be fair to everybody um, on both sides, actually, if there are two sides on this, which there probably is. Um, but I won't get to all of the texts, unfortunately. And we'll see what we can do again on Monday with regards to this. Um, again, I have no issue with people uh, who have both points of view and I try to get as many on as I can in as balanced a way as possible. So lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868-104-106. Talking about a lot of food this morning. Uh, Dave McGrath is annoyed actually, but it, it's it's quite a funny story. I'll get to it in a second. But first up, Tracy. 
Hi, good morning. How are oh, you? I'm very interested in this because um, I actually don't know the answer as to what is an acceptable price to pay for a scone. So anyway, what's your story? Well, basically what it was, mean was I was in um, the city, Cork City, last Monday and um, I had a bit of uh, one or two things to do. And when I was finished, it was a cold day in the morning. I said, you know what, now I pop into Scoozies and I get myself a takeaway scone right. and I'll have it at home. So I went down the lane, you go to Scoozies um, and I discovered they were closed. And I was like, oh my goodness, they're closed. So then it dawned on me, since COVID, they only open out Tuesday to Sunday. But I think it's also something to do with being short-staffed that they haven't enough of staff to open the full shame, seven days. Shame, yeah, you know, yeah. Which is a shame, yeah, because Scoozies is an amazing place. So to cut the long story short, I went to another establishment not too far away from it and I went in, there was nobody in there, the staff were there and um, I said, Meg, do you do scones takeaway? And uh, the gentleman suggests we do. I said, can I get one plain scone to go, please? So the lady went and got it and she brought it up and she handed it to me. So um, she said, cash your card. And I said, cash. So she said, she had a mask on. She said, four euro, please. So I thought, to be quite honest, she said, a euro, please, as in a, as in one. So I gave her 10 euro. And when I was walking away, I was looking at my change. She gave me a receipt and it was scone, four euro. I have the receipt here in front of me from the Oliver Plunkett. Uh, balanced you four euro. Correct. Yeah, I gave ten euro and I now, got six euro. Did change. you get butter? Uh, did you I get a little small, top of jam? I got, two, I got two small butters and uh, a po- not a pot of jam, but a little uh, square jam seal. Yeah, that? yeah, with the foily ripped back, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's a lot of money for a scone? I think it's ridiculous. I, I think it's criminal-like in this day and age. Rip off Ireland. I mean, hello. Four euro for a takeaway scone, Neil. Do you think that's a good price? You see, I have no, I have no idea see, as to what's the going rate like, for a takeaway scone. Yeah, see, you can say that, but see, the thing is, a takeaway scone, whether you sit down or takeaway in Suzy's, which I always go, is 2 You get homemade jam, a pot of cream and two butters. And they're real homemade scones. To be quite honest, I'm not sure if the one I got was a homemade scone or whether it was. Was it a big? Was it a big, fresh, flaky, full of raisin scone? No. No, because I don't eat. I don't eat kerns. I only eat a plain white scone. Boring. So it was a white scone, and if I was to say it was a home baked on the premises, I would say no. Well, I don't know anything about that. You paid four euro for it. I'm just saying that I just thought in this day and age, four euro for a scone, I just thought was criminal. Really. What's the price of it in Scoozies to go with the homemade jam and the cream? 245 In a little brown bag? Yeah, in a plastic container. They put the brown, they put the cream, fresh cream, the jam and the butter and their scone in a brown bag. There's a, a big difference container. between 245 and yeah. four. Like, like I know when you go in and sit down, like, because I've seen some of the comments, you have bills, you have electricity, you have staff, you, but I mean, like, this was takeaway. There was no nice heat. There was no place. There was no music around. Do you know, it was just a scone to go. Now, maybe it's four euro for sit down and four euro for takeaway. I'm not too sure. I can't be 100% on that. But I think well, for takeaway, it should be a different price. Yeah, okay. Because somebody said by text, it's a disgraceful amount of money, four euro. It's 150 from Tesco for four scones. Um, yeah, well, I do know. I think Lidl do four for two euro. Four for two euro. Correct. Yeah, well, Tesco do four for 150. 
Okay, so then I know where to go the next day when school... Oh, do you, are you saying that it should be a euro? No, I'm not saying no, because a euro... Like, the thing is with supermarkets, they buy in large volumes, so they can sell them cheaper. Do you know what I mean? But what I'm saying is I just personally thought, in my opinion, that four euro was um, an awful lot to pay for a takeaway scone. And to the Oliver Plunkett, and they said the cost of a scone with cream and jam is four euro... In other facilities, the price may vary by 10 or 15 cent. Okay, and that was takeaway or sit-down, correct? I don't know about that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. assuming that if you if you sat down, it's going to be four euro, four euro as well, would it? Would it be more? Yeah, well, that, well that, that's, that's what my point was, me. Like, if you sit down, you have the atmosphere in there, you have staff waiting on the table... You know, so like cause someone had put up a comment like that um, with the price of electricity and the price of um, ingredients <laughs> going up and stuff like that. But then my point was, if that was the case, four euro for a scone, I'm just saying, I'm just showing a topic. Like if someone got a tea and they like sugar, if they got six sugars, should the tea cost more because you'll get an extra sugar? Okay, well, Emma, cost less? yeah, well, here's, here's an example. Emma sent me a photocopy of a Nash 19 receipt where she mm-hmm. got one americano coffee and one scone and the americano was 395 and the scone was 395 so the coffee and the scone was 790 is that a lot well i don't drink coffee but i i guess it is like i never had the problem before because when we meet for coffees or if we're going out for breakfast you know the way you tap and go you'd never look but it was just the fact i went in for one scone gave a tenner, got a receipt and came out with six euros. But if I, had, like if, I had a, if I had a restaurant or a cafe, I would love if people were just having Americanos and scones because the Americano at four euro, I mean, like, there must be fierce profit in that. Money for jam, money for jam. Correct. And I mean, yeah, you probably, I mean, how much would you bake a scone for? 10 cent, 15 cent, 20 cent? 12 cent, 13 cent. Selling yeah, it then for four actually, euro? I mean, the markup's enormous. Yeah, well, my point was Neil, the fact I got it to go. I guess uh, I, I wouldn't have moaned or complained if I was sitting down, as I said, in the atmosphere and stuff like that. You know, you pay because you're in there and there's staff and stuff. I just personally thought, rip off Ireland, here we go. Do okay, you know what I mean? Okay, okay. Well, um, uh, oh, somebody else then sent me a photograph of uh, some little restaurant in Dublin Airport. Check this out. Mm-hmm. How much would you pay for a sausage roll? An awful looking, miserable little thing it is, actually. Probably with airport, five, six euro. Five twenty-five. There you go, yeah. For what? Well, I for a, a mean, when you're going off on a vacation, when you're going off on a vacation, you don't care what you pay, do you know what I mean? I wouldn't pay that, though. I mean, it'd be, yeah. like, you probably wouldn't know until you go to the till, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, like, it the, the wasn't like I was handed a menu and stuff, and, like, I know people said you shouldn't have paid it, and you were a big fool and whatever, but it was just... To be to be caught off guard like that, I was like, oh my God, you know what I, like I know people are going on about the cost of petrol and cigarettes going up and this going up, right. inflation, everything is going up all overboard. But I just thought, you know. Did you say anything to them? Do you know what now, Neil? I didn't because as I said, I didn't hear four euro, I heard a euro. So I didn't know if the lady has said a euro or okay. whatever. So okay, it was gone. when I was walking out with my scone and my change, my receipt, I kind of went. And was it Hello? the nicest scone you ever ate? 
No, it wasn't. Okay. But that, that's what I said. It wasn't homemade like Scoozy. All right. Okay. Listen, I see a lot of texts coming in on this. I'll probably pick up on it again on Monday. Thanks, Tracy. Have a good weekend. No problem. Killian, you too. Bye. Killian Pettit was in Terminal 2 of Dublin Airport. He says, Dublin Airport, 5 o'clock on a Friday, and he's got a photograph of it. The chicken, ham, the chicken and ham sandwich and a bottle of River Rock. All restaurants are closed. There's only one little coffee dock, dock open. 10 euro for a sandwich and a bottle of water. Cork Airport can't reopen quick enough for me, says he. Meanwhile, David. Good morning, Neil. Okay, so I've got through a lot of these photocopies here now, but your one is gas altogether. You came across um, fresh cream and butter. Have you, have, you, have you got the photograph in front of you? <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This, is, this is a super value. Uh, anyway, talk me, talk me through it anyway. Well... It's, it's probably one of the best super values in the country, I'd say. In fairness, Drum, but... Uh, Where? In Glanmire, is it? Yeah, oh, it's big. It's very good. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. one Saturday, I'd go to the farmer's market, super value Milton, to the farmer's market. Next Saturday, I'd go to Bannon College. Then another Saturday, I'd go to Glanmire. You one wanted Saturday, to buy a fresh cream cake, was it? No, I was, no, I was, no, I was getting just an ordinary cake. You know, a couple of donuts or something like that. But while I was waiting, what, to, be, to be served, I noticed this sign up in the wall for people that are that order birthday cakes, you know? And I studied it for a while, and I said there's something drastically wrong with this sign. Why? Um, as you can see, the, the, the one on top, Neil, the eight-inch fresh... Eight-inch cream. fresh cream cake, fifteen ninety nine for an eight-inch. Okay, now yeah. come down two more to the ten-inch. Ten-inch fresh cream cake, thirty four ninety nine. So another two inches, it goes up over double the price. <laughs> Right? <laughs> and come down to the second last one. 12 inch fresh cream cake, 44.99. Right, so from 8 inch to 12 inch, 4 inches, you're paying over tr- 3 times the price. <laughs> so I, I called over one of the, well, he wanted the manager, one of the, the, the guys on the floor, and I showed them the sign, and I, I said, I explained to him what I, uh, I, I am at a spotting something here. I said, that doesn't make a bit of sense. <laughs> and he said, he said to me, that you, that's well spotted. He said, how did you spot that? <laughs> right? You spotted said, that you'd be I, better off buying three eight-inch cakes for pretty right. much the same price as one 12-inch. <laughs> I said, I spotted it. I said, because I was born in the real and brown street. I said, well, that's stupid up there, I said. So, okay. but as you said, Neil, you can buy three eight-inch cakes for, for forty four ninety nine <laughs> for the price of one 12 inch. Do you think they've Do you think they've changed the sign now? No, I no, I checked it. It's not changed. And it, like the thing is, that sign is up there for a long, long, long time, Neil. A long time. And there's people. I'd imagine there's people buying cakes there five <laughs> days a week, or there's six days a week, and Norman. And like, you got to ask yourself the question: right? How much more is involved in an eight inch and a twelve inch cream cake, where the price can go from fifteen ninety nine to forty four ninety nine, like? Not much, I tell you, not I much. Know. I don't know. And, and there's a girl going back to the lady with a scone. You could say something. If the, if the price of the scone for four euros was if she was sitting down inside eating it. But would you, would you imagine taking it away to be cheaper? What would you pay for a takeaway scone? Well, I just go, I buy scones every, I, I, have, I, I, I eat scones seven days a week. <laughs> so every morning, so... I go to different places. How much? And, we'll uh, answer the question. How much did you pay for a takeaway scone? I, well, I, 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 well, yeah, you're on the euro, but you get, <laughs> I, I buy two guns and you get four, four lovely scones and done for three twenty-five. 
Yeah, I suppose Dunn's or Tesco or Lidl or Super Value, they, they can probably do things cheaper than a local shop or a bar or a restaurant, wouldn't you think? Well, but I, and I, what, I, what I find very strange as well, Neil, you can buy a, 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 like a, a, a good a good loaf of a, 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 a large crusty pan you buy in the English market. Yeah. A crusty pan. No, the, the fresh, real, old-style bread. Yeah. You can buy one of them like for around 225 that will last you for maybe two or three days. <laughs> you get the week still, out of the one loaf, is it? <laughs> no, but no, but, but, but I find this, Neil, you're paying like two or three euros for a scone. You eat a scone in five minutes. <laughs> and I cost you three euros. And there's a loaf of bread, fresh, all style, a crusty bread that you double last you for two or three or four days. And it cost two twenty five. I cannot remember. Yeah, well, that's the cuteness of a boy from Blarney. Did you say Barrack Street or no, Blarney Street, was it? Down the oh yes, down the Anyway, I gotta go. Well spotted on that. I'll pick up on this again on Monday. All right, appreciate Thanks, it. Well done. Well spotted. He's got sharp eyes, David McGrath. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Here's a little bit of housekeeping first. You know what this is about. Dialing one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You'll be skating your way through photo and also a free food Friday winner for pizza from Oakfire Pizza for all of the staff at Cork Cleaning Solutions and Money Gorney Yard. They're flat out working hard and Carl is keeping all the gang going and they love pizza. You're sorted for pizza. Thank you for listening. Appreciate your loyalty to everybody at Cork Cleaning Solutions in Money Gorney Yard. Now the final bit of business this morning. I am joined in studio by the one and only uh, David Casey from Casey's Furniture together with the Casey's Bedtime bear. Now, this bear's been around a long time. Well, it is, Neil. Originally, we brought it out. Throw uh, me over one there, David. Yeah. yeah, there you go. When, how old's this bear? Well, the original bear was we, we, we got made 25 years ago. Just swing that ago. around. They should have yeah. swung that mic yeah. properly. 25 years ago. Um, and they sold out. And throughout the years, we'd have various people come in and say, Look, you oh gave us God. a bear X number of years ago. We've lost it. And Ah, this is a serious bear yeah. now. So we, serious, be, be, serious bear pajamas. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 based on the original one. And uh, what's his name? Does he have a name? It's Casey. Casey the bear. It's a beautiful bear. Now, the, and this year you brought the bear back to raise funds for CUH. That's right. Yeah. So we for we, the children's ward. Yeah. So what we did originally here, Brenda, bear for you. <laughs> Love it. Give it a big cuddle. What we did originally was we, when kids used to go into uh, CUH for an operation and they came out, there was a bear left in the bed for them. And really? That's, we, that's how it all started. You did that? We did that. And I actually personally experienced it with one of my kids myself. So and did you see the reaction from the kids when I they saw was, the bear? Yeah, it was incredible. It really was incredible. But just, you know, times change and we, you know, we probably forgot about it. But we had lots of families come into saying, do you have the Casey bear? So when we were sitting down nearly two years ago, uh, to talk about the 100 years, someone came up with the idea, why don't we bring the... Ah, happy centenary, actually, yeah. this year, Thank 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. we heard the adverts, they're fabulous. Yeah, no, we're, we're really proud. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing, great occasion for us. So uh, what's the deal with the bear, then? What do people do? Buy the bear so, and you yeah. send all of the proceeds and yeah. everything, too? Yeah, 100% of the proceeds are going to CUH uh, Children's Services and the Limerick uh, Children's Pediatrics. Because you have a shop in Limerick, too? Yes. So you're doing the same for the kids' hospital? Yeah, 100%. Oh, man, that's and incredible. Every penny is going, we're, we're footing the bill, and... We're really hoping to raise a big number for them. So what are you asking people to do? So basically, you can come into either shop and buy it, um, and they're 20 euros, or equally, what a lot of people are doing is, is they're buying it online. So if you go to www.cases.ie, we'll post out the bear to you. So it's 20 euros plus 6 euros for postage and packing. And as I say, everything goes to the charity. We're not taking a single cent out of it. We're paying for everything. And we really think it's a great cause 
particularly what what's happened over the last year or two. So it's 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 a great initiative and something <laughs> that our customers want. Something very old fashioned about them, isn't there? Yeah, look, I what I'm amazed about it is the amount of older people who are coming to buy it. <laughs> Joe, we had a lady who came in there recently. She has one 18 years and she said I wanted to get a, a, a newer version of them, but equally so, I'm keeping my old one. So there's a lot of and a lot of people are are are, are saying to our, our our staff, great idea. They really like it and they do remember the original one. So look, how many have you got to sell and move and make money? Plenty. You won't I, run out. No, no, no. If the more we the more we sell, the more money we can get. You got a warehouse of them. We've we've plenty of them. We've, we've Stuffed in the drawers inside well, in the furniture yeah, shop. Yeah, no, we, Open we, a drawer up, pops yeah. a bear. Well, in typical in typical retail fashion, we we just said we'd go for it, and we've buckets of stock, and we really hope that we can raise a big, big number for the charity. That's fantastic. They're going to be delighted with you because they'll put that money to good use in the oh, children's yeah. ward. No, we've been dealing with COH and they're so appreciative of the effort. And are you still putting the teddy bears on the beds out in the COH? No, what, we, COH? What, we're, what we're hoping to do in the month of November is to tie up with COH maternity and anyone who has a bear, anyone who has a baby, should I say, will get a bear. It'll be their first a toy. So we're, we think it's great. I've become quite attached to this little fella. Can I keep him? You can. That's for you. That's your, your <laughs> limited edition, Neil. Limited edition. Well, I put him up on the dash in the car. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he put a dash cam in, in, in his head as well, if you want, or something like that. But, you know, they are cute, to be fair. <laughs> they are cute. Well done. Okay, so let's just recap. Are they available now? They are available now. They're available in the, in, in the shop. We have a a, a purpose-built uh, window in Oliver Plunker Street, you know, with a big, huge, massive bear. Oh, I'm expecting a great window for you from Christmas yeah. for Christmas as well. Yeah, You're yeah. not going to let us down on that? No, no, we're, we're actually having a meeting t- today about it. So we're going to really do a good one. But the window in, Al- in Oliver Plunker Street, we have a massive life-size bear. It's about nearly just shy of two metres. So it's a big, huge one. So you can come into the shop, buy them off any of the sales staff. or we'll, We're actually going to have a pop-up shop there tomorrow. Uh, for anyone who wants it but equally so if you want to go on to Online. our website yeah, www.cases.ie and we'll post out to you you'll get it within three days so the bear's 20 euro and if you do it online it's an extra six for yeah. delivery through on post on post exactly. okay listen we'll probably chat this side of Christmas but do stay in touch so we can drive this on every penny that's raised goes directly yeah. to the children's unit children's wards at CUH it's yeah, fantastic let's, let's get behind it absolutely 100% good to see you David thanks for popping out as David Casey from Casey's get involved guys we'll share some photographs of uh, the Casey bear or Casey the bear uh, on our Twitter and Facebook page back after the break the Neil Brent- Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. This is all getting crazy technical with regards to the size of cakes. I guess there's a lot of maths involved. Brendan says in Carrigaline, an 8-inch cake is 64 square inches, but a 10-inch cake is 100 square inches. There's a lot more than just 2 inches in the difference, says Brendan. <laughs> I suppose a couple of inches make all the difference. <laughs> That's why they say size matters, oh, Neil. That's just the child in me coming out. No, it's just the man in me coming out. Anyway, thanks for jumping in there. Here to save you any time. Oh, my God. Actually, the whole scone, the price of a scone and coffee is really taking off. So I want people to text, email or get in touch. Text 0868 104 as to how much you pay for a scone or how much you pay for a scone in Americano. Could be you would get a little change these days out of a tenner, I can tell you. Anyway, I love you and leave you. Have a good weekend. Over to Lana. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.